Ponytails Podcast. Here we go. Andres here, and we are back for another episode of the Ponytails Podcast. So excited that you're with us. If this is your first episode, welcome to the Ponytails Podcast. Let me tell you about a little bit about it, and uh, you let me know if this is something you want to listen to or not. If you sold books door to door in college, that's what we talk about. That's all I need to say to you. If you didn't, strap on, get your seatbelts on. This is a crazy stories about some of the craziest uh, people in the world, and uh, we're talking about people who in college decided to go sell books door-to-doors for 80 hours a week in a whole different part of the United States and faced all of the adversity that you might think of when going door-to-door. We're talking we're talking Monday through Saturday from sometimes 7.30 in the morning till 10 p.m. You know, just complete commission, uh, kind of cultish, but not really. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about that with our guest today. The whole point is to share the experience. Some of it is positive, some of it is negative, something in the middle, but Honestly, I've had a blast. We've had over 120 episodes doing this, and every single time I feel super lucky to be able to talk to uh, the people that did this and just really enjoy the, the stories that come along. So um, a couple of announcements before, before we bring our guests on and a couple of shout outs. So just so you guys know, we are uh, a monetized podcast, so we will be sharing a little bit about some of our partners, but to keep it really fun and to keep it cool, everybody that is working with us, all our jockeys, as we like to uh, lovingly call them. All of them are people who either currently own their own business or work for a company and they all sold books. So we try to keep it in the family and it's been such a fun way to keep a good eye on and good taps on, on people who are doing amazing things in a bunch of different industries. And we'd like to give them recognition here on the show, as well as, you know, let people know who are listening, what everybody else is up to in case you might be looking for a change in career or you might be looking for a product or service. Um, if you guys want to hear a little bit more about them, every other Friday, Nick Tiverti, who uh, was my co-host, he took charge of handling and managing all of our jockeys and they run a derby meeting is what we call it, which is where all the jockeys meet and share a little bit about what their business, a little bit of insights on how to grow, scale a company, how to move your business, how to make it grow. I definitely recommend those. They are on our LinkedIn page and they are going to be also on our Facebook pages. They live there currently. I highly recommend listening to those for sure. Um, now, first shout out of the evening goes out to Will Metcher. Now, of course, if you know, one of the things I enjoyed the most when I was selling books myself was the fact that I got to kind of impact people in a positive way. And so the people that I got to recruit, the people that I got to work with, I was able to impact their lives and make it, you know, make it better, or at least I think so anyway. And they, it was such a rewarding thing to be able to give that to people, to give that opportunity, because sometimes people don't learn the things that we learned. Uh, and during this internship until their 30s, 40s, or 50s. And we were lucky enough to er learn it so early on. So if you're the kind of person that enjoys that, you like making a difference in people's lives, uh, you need to work with Will. So unless you live under a rock, you're probably aware of what Southwestern Consulting is. The cool thing is Will 
is one of their best coaches and he's hiring people to work with him. So every one of the coaches that he works with has earned over six figures and built pretty solid lasting impact. And if you guys want to learn a little bit more about that message us and we'll get you in touch with Will, or if you're looking for coaching also, we will put you in touch with Will. Second shout out and also an announcement is to Seth Hood and Zane Gallagher. Now we're getting really close now, guys, two months out from our Bizzler trip and the spots are still open to sign up. We got uh, a, a list of people already coming um, to this incentive trip that we have it's an excuse me incentive trip for participating jockeys i should say and then if you are just looking to come uh get some more details there's a link below just click on that there's like a 16 minute video when i'm talking to maddie whalen about how to get signed up and then there's another uh, link below that you can click on to just go ahead and get signed up right away if you've heard about it but basically it's august 15th through the 19th and it's going to be kind of like sizzler but for alumni so it's an alumni trip coming out and uh hang out with us on the beach in cancun uh the Valentin Imperial at the Riviera Maya. And uh, again, that's August 15th through the 19th. Super fun. And we still have some openings for that. So make sure you guys get signed up as soon as you want. And if you guys want to get your bodies prepped for uh, the actually, wait, let's see. So that, that's actually a month from now. Holy cow. That's wild. By the time this airs, it's going to be in a month. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I forget that we're, we're recording for July already. What a cool, what a cool, that's a good problem to have. Uh, but anyway, yeah, sign up. Uh, we're actually getting prepped and we've been getting prepped since, uh, since, let's see, January, I think, December with Elevate Wellness. And so um, the reason we went with these guys, the reason I decided to go with Seth um, and Zane is because honestly, I hadn't really worked out at the gym properly or I, I was still using all of the same techniques that I was using back in high school and I needed something better. Plus, I didn't know what the heck I was doing in the kitchen, which is really where you get fit. So these guys really took care of that. And more importantly than that, not just give us really good tips and good advice, but help me stay accountable. So I check in with them on a weekly basis in the community that they are building within their company and through their group of people is super awesome, super positive. It's kind of like we're like the the it's kind of like the accountability partners that those morning calls that you would have with people on the way to the work field. It's kind of like that vibe, but as a community of healthy wellness. And so it's super exciting. Um, if you guys want to reach out to us, we'll get you in touch with them. That way you can work with Elevate Wellness. And as we love to uh, say, elevate your body, your mind, and your life with Elevate Wellness, Seth Hood and Zane Gallagher studs. And then last but not least, uh, a big shout out to Cardinal Quentin Roberts, Pedro Vega, Nick Dale. Uh, many companies talk about, you know, freedom, flexibility. And at the end, at the end of the day, even though you might have that, you're kind of held captive by the availability of your, of your clients. Even though you kind of set your own schedule, you still kind of have to work with whatever they have. So with Cardinal, because of the demographic that they serve, which is more an older an older demographic, um, they can kind of like call their own shot as far as their flexibility and, and, and their availability. So they can work, make their work schedule work around what they want to do personally. So it's kind of cool. Um, they have a pretty diverse set of agents. They're all in a dramatically different situation, but all are able to make it work around the lifestyle that they want and have for themselves and, or their family. So uh, key examples there, Jessica Chapel, uh, Bridget Dugan. Uh, she was formerly known as Bridget Nicholson. They're both able to make financial living while keeping their family as their number one priority. Both of those ladies were able to crush it and make a six-figure income. But they were only working like 15 to 25 hours, 25 hours per week. So pretty cool. Of course, former book guys like Pedro Vega and Quentin, who I mentioned, are both making multiple six-figure incomes. But uh, they, you know, they just started doing and selling it. And they were able to transition into recruiting and training. So they're working about 30 to 45 hours a week and doing that. So it really it's a, it fits the mold for anybody, anybody that sold books, especially also is doing pretty, pretty well. They have a ton of folks that are still 
single like Sean Brefo and Greta Huerta. Love you, Greta. You're awesome. And they're able to make their schedules go from week to week, month to month, as they please. They're taking full advantage of the freedom that they have. So anyway, they're still able to take care of their business. Everyone's only working on an average of 25 to 35 hours a week. But of course, you can work more if you have, if you want to. So if you're listening, you're like, hey, you know what? I need to leave my job. I want to do something else. I'm looking for more money to make. Or maybe you're just unhappy with the quote unquote freedom and flexibility that you get at your current job. Just give these guys a call um, or don't. They don't really give a shit. <laughs> just they're going to crush it without you. Just, you know, they'd rather do it with you. Now, on that note, speaking of that buying atmosphere, Speaking of cool, chill, and calm, and collected, let's talk about Mitchell Steffen, who is our guest for today. What's up? So uh, before I bring him on the screen, a couple of little, uh, uh, a little bio for him. Uh, you guys might remember Mitchell if you sold between 07 and 2012. He sold for six summers out of Texas A&M. You know, nobody's perfect, but that's okay. Uh, he was in the Eagle Blitz organization, uh, and he is from Seguin, Texas, but he's now currently living in, in Bremont, Texas. Um, and, uh, his, his most proud moment or his most memorable moment of his Southwestern career was that he told Dan Moore once that he didn't like people who drive Volvos. And if you don't know, I mean, last time, last time we checked Dan Moore drives a Volvo. So that was an interesting conversation. Let me bring him on to the screen. How's it going, Mitchell? It was an interesting <laughs> conversation. You're not wrong. Um, it was happened accident. he drove a Volvo at that time when I said that. <laughs> And he was like, why don't, why don't you like Volvo drivers? Like, they don't buy books. He's like, I uh, I drive a Volvo. Well, you never bought books from me, is all I can say. Uh, so yeah. so technically, you were still on. You're 100%. still you're still 100%. I can guarantee you that Dan Moore never bought books from me. So what can I say? You know, that would have been a really cool approach. Be like, Dan, you could change this. You can end this right now. You can end this curse. And the best part, this is super minutia, absolutely like the dumbest, smallest thing I hope I say today. I did sell to one Volvo driver once, one singular Volvo driver, and uh, and and they canceled. Uh, so <laughs> and then my my current wife told me that she her dream car was a Volvo, and I told her she was wrong. Her dream car is not a Volvo. <laughs> She does not want one of those things. So um, it, it, my my prejudice against Volvo drivers <laughs> to this day. So yes, I think I think because of this, we're never going to be able to be sponsored by by Volvo. I don't think so. And okay. I apologize. Well, you can denounce no. me. I'm sure there's a way to denounce me. Um, you know, there's, there's probably how do you pop up one of those bubbles down the screen that says we we do not endorse this statement against Volvo. There's a way to do it. We. We do not endorse Mitchell Steffen's yeah. statements towards Volvo. I'm all about always, reducing liability, man. There it is. There it is right there. I'm all about <laughs> reducing liability. Congratulations. You are now exempt from anything that happens after this point. We're not sponsored by Volvo, but we yeah. could be. One day. Um, <laughs> so so you're actually coming in live and people who are just listening, the back, your background looks amazing. Uh, and we might get a couple of pauses where we have to pause because there's a train coming by. But you're sitting outside of the house that you're building out in Bremont. Is that my right to say this? There is. And there's a train or two or ten. I think we're done for the day. Uh, like I said, we're, we're future recording. So I think we're done for the next couple hours, but we'll see. And plus the breeze. If I got to relocate inside, we can do that. There's just no NC AC in there right now. But yeah, Bremont, Texas, population 929. 
And uh, oh my lord, that's where we're coming from. A metropolis, man. It's huge. You get lost. Nine hundred. Yeah, if you need to, that's where you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Nine hundred and ninety-five is that what you said? No, nine twenty-nine. Oh. Nine two nine. Oh, not even. Not even. You're, yeah. you're the golly. Yeah, you just might... increased our population by damn near ten percent, man. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you were you were uh, you were mentioning on the before we aired that uh, speaking of trains, that there's like a tradition that Texas A&M people have next to their baseball stadium. Yeah, man. Yeah, you got to count the engines as they come by. You know, for all of you who have lived by or paid attention to the railroad tracks, you're not going to get more than three engines. So you got to count them up. And in baseball, you got three strikes. You got three outs. There's there's continuity there. There's tradition there. And uh, there was I don't think this is true, but I don't even care. There was a thought that someone said that once upon a time they wanted to move the baseball field, but they wouldn't because you got to be by the train tracks. You can't move off the train tracks. It just got to work now. Now, I got it. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because. Before we jump into what you're up to now, this is, I, I think the craziest thing I've ever seen in sports as far as brutality is the tradition that AM has for their baseball where they start counting ball five, six, seven after a pitcher yeah. misses. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, and in baseball, of course, after ball four, the batter gets walked. And then the whole, what is it, 40,000 people that fit in there, 20,000 people, whatever, yeah, that, that fit that's in that high, stadium. It's up there. They all start screaming, ball five, ball five. And it just is the you should YouTube this if you're not, if you if you're listening after this, go to YouTube and look this up. It's brutal. I think there's statistical evidence that shows it works. Oh yeah. They the the announcer on the video that when I first watched it was talking about how they will rattle uh there was a there's a pitcher that got to ball (laughs) thirteen. Like and then he finally threw a strike, and then the guy just rocked it out the yard, and it was like yeah. a grand slam. It was, it's, it's. I mean, and I watch soccer, like I'm a bit, and I've been to Europe, and I've seen soccer games. Yeah. But that is some brutal shit. To, yeah. To get in the of some I don't know if anything's worse than having to listen to Boo Boo That sounds like just death in an instrument. But, um, but yeah, fair as enough. Far as baseball goes. It is. Uh, I, I do believe that it works well. And um, it worked well this past weekend as we moved past Oral Roberts and TCU into the uh, Super Regional. But, yeah, it's um, brutal. It, it, it is. And it, it's just humiliating. That's my – I mean, I listen to the whole, like, oh, somebody fouls out of a basketball game at Oklahoma State, Duke, North Carolina, all these other ones, you know, and the whole step, 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 step. But yeah, there's, there's nothing better than counting out the number of balls in consecutively that you've yeah. thrown. It's not fun. Because that's what you, that's your, your, your summary is good. But again, like, let's say you, you've thrown six straight balls and you throw a strike and you come back to ball seven. No, 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 no. We're caught, we're kind of consecutive. We're, we're, yeah, we're making you feel real bad. Yeah. I mean, imagine getting to eight. You're like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. The the only thing that's kind of similar is in soccer, actually, when they start going ole. So when one team is crushing the other team so bad that every pass that the team makes, they say ole. Ole. And so the other team just starts getting more and more desperate to get the ball back because the whole stadium is just yelling ole. And that's like, I didn't know, realize that what that was from. I've, I've heard the ole. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I'm not a singer, but um, yeah, that's where that comes from, huh? 
Well, yeah, they don't sing that song, but they say the word ole. So it's like if, if yeah. a player has a ball and then they're like, oh, and then he passes it, like, ole. And then they wait. <laughs> ole, every pass. And That's in true. Mexico, this is true. <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about this way. In Mexico, anytime the Mexican national team is playing and the other the other goalie is about to do a goal kick, the Mexican fans will go, oh, and he'll run up and kick it away, like launch it. And as soon as he kicks it, they're like, they go, ah. Puto! <laughs> just like it's a whole yeah it's it's yeah. brutal man friendly <laughs> trash talk friendly trash talk is the best no like <laughs> being being super mean is never fun not talking trash is no fun friendly trash talk is the best way to go i think that should be i think that should be the tagline for this podcast yeah it's, it's just friendly trash talk it's just about 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 this experience i don't think uh, less of you i'm just going to tell you bad things about yourself you can take that however you want <laughs> if, if you get insulted that's up to you <laughs> yeah uh, no liability this whole thing no liability here oh, oh man all right well are you drinking let's jump in uh, yep cheers i got my tequila sir cheers to you sir all right, man. So I, I know what you're up to. So you're in commercial insurance, but talk to me about the journey from 2012. So 10 years ago and how you got to this point so far. I know that's a broad thing. So I'm just going to let you talk for a little while because I want to hear about this story of I always it's always fascinating to me how people leave Southwestern yeah. and how they ended up to now. So your mic, yeah. feel free to go into as much detail as you wish. Super broad because I was like bought in, man. I was going to be a DSM. It didn't matter that I think the largest my organization ever grew was 15,000 units, <laughs> one five, not five zero. I was going to, I was going to do it. It's going to happen. hundred percent belief barrier, you know, for whatever that was worth. Um, I was going to do it. And then all of a sudden I didn't. And then it was time to figure out something else. Right. So um, that was 2012. It's been 10 years. I've had two, three, four, four careers at five different stops. I'm a job hopper, unfortunately. I think I've stopped that now. Um, I never intended to. And the fun part about all this, as we go deeper into it, I am so radically opposed to change. I would like to classify myself as, well, I've grown through it, but I would say as a baseline personality trait, I'm a radically close-minded individual. I hate change. <laughs> I hate new things. And yet I have changed and experienced new things more than most people I know, unfortunately. Um, and so, yeah, it was like, I'm going to pick a job. I'm going to be there for 45 years, total boomer mentality. Like this is what you do. Right. And, uh, and, and by the way, for all those listening, sorry for car noise, wind noise. If I got to move on dress, let me know. Um, it's just hot inside, but, uh, but yeah, so I was never, ever going to change that. That has changed multiple times. So after my, I totally became a DSM, meaning my organization was 15,000 units and I moved on. Um, I went to Great American Opportunities, which was uh, now called Southwestern Fundraising, maybe. I don't know. It, it's basically defunct. Yeah, yeah it's defunct. And uh, and it's not their fault. The industry changed rapidly. And uh, no one, I mean, I, I won't say no one could see it coming, but in order to change your entire model that rapidly over the course of three to four years, it was never going to happen. Um, so I was there for three years and it was good and I enjoyed it. And that's where I learned kind of B2B sales. The school is never a business, but it is a business. So if you think your public school is not a business, it is. Um, oh, yeah. Money matters. And so I did that for a while and it went well and it was successful, but it, I could, I, you know, I could read the writing on the wall and know this wasn't going well. 
So me and Quentin and Dylan, um, Quentin and Dylan were already there, but I joined on with them at, uh, and by the way, I know Quentin's going to roast me because he already did it to a phone caller rookie or not a really rookie. This is June. You're going to listen to this in July. I got a call from a book kid in sales school trying to sell me something from Quentin. And he roasted me on that, on the, on the recommendation, on the referral. So don't call him Quentin, call him Quinnin from now on. There's no T in his name. Call him Quinnin because he has, he deserves the, the payback. Quinnin. So Quinnin <laughs> and, and Dylan, um, they were at Family Harry's. They recruited me on board for a while. Did that for a little while. Wasn't my jam. Um, moved on to Southwestern Consulting. Um, slightly more my gig, but not fully my gig. And um, I talked to, and I, I happened upon commercial insurance, right? So Reed Joseph, Kyle Kelly, um, hmm. Justin Gamble, yep. Mike Winan, Shane Weathers. There's a couple of people in my generation that do commercial insurance. And they were, and not, primarily Shane, shout out to Shane for helping me get into this. Reed was number two. They were telling me about it. And I was like, dude, that sounds like everything I want it to be. It's, it's just, that's what I should do. And I started that in 2019, 2018. And so it's only been four years since then, but it is, uh, it's 100% my jam. So commercial insurance, you call them business owners. You sell them general liability, work comp, auto, umbrella, um, cyber, DNO, ENO, all these other fun things. Essentially what I do um, is I do negative affirmations all day long where I drive around and I talk to business owners about all the things that could go wrong in their life. So rather than saying it's going to be a great day, I say things like, you know, someone could die today, you know, rather than saying I'm going to, um, you know, it's, I'm going to sell X number of whatever it could be. You could screw that guy over and he could sue you. All right. So all day long, I drive <laughs> around thinking of all the worst case scenarios, which fits me very well for all of those who happen to listen to this, that know me, you would know that I'm a very worst case scenario all the bad news person. I don't know how I sold six summers, but it worked out. Um, what could go really wrong here? And I help. So I'm not a I'm not a commercial insurance salesman. I'm a professional risk management consultant, right? Like, uh, I don't look. I'm a professional educational. Yeah, I'm a professional risk management consultant. I sit down and look at everything in your life that you could lose in the event that one of your drivers does something really dumb or somebody goes and installs that thing and then the whole building burns down and all the catastrophic stuff that has a less than 1% chance of happening. And then I tell them there's a less than 1% chance of happening, but it could. And here's the cost associated with it. The best part is most of my job is done for me because the people that, that buy this stuff only buy it because they have to. So essentially, because I've worked primarily in construction and manufacturing, anybody who has a lot of vehicles on the road, right? Like you can't drive around with no auto insurance unless you're in Houston, Texas or the Valley, in which case half the people around don't have any auto insurance. But, that's <laughs> um, but yeah, which also helps me sell things because no one has any insurance. Um, if you're a business and you want to put a vehicle on the road, you got to have some insurance in place. So you're going to buy it. And that's what I learned from Great American. You're going to buy a fundraiser. The question is, are you going to buy it from Mitchell or are you going to buy it from the other guy? And so I left all the conceptual sales behind all the, hey, here's this new idea, this cool thing. You've never heard about it before, but here's why you should love it, which I wasn't very good at. And I moved into this whole like, I already know you're going to buy it. You're going to do it. Are you going to do it with me? Are you going to do it with that guy? Here's why I should do it with me. See what that guy has to say. 
And, uh, and that lends itself to a lot of expertise, a lot of deep dive, a lot of knowing your product, knowing your risk, knowing how to mitigate it and knowing what business owners actually worry about and what you've actually seen firsthand put a business out of business. Right. So it's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's way less sales, way longer and, uh, continual, continual revenue. So it's been fun, man. I, it's not for everybody, but if you can sit there and think about all the bad things that can happen in life and every way that you get screwed, this is the job for you. <laughs> That's epic. But this, this there's, there's so much. This reminds me. Have you seen Oceans 13? I don't know if you've seen that. I know I've seen it. I'm not recalling what you're talking about. But go there's, a, there's, there's a scene where uh, Brad Pitt's obviously pulling a con. And he like goes up to Al Pacino's character and he has to like try to sell him on like an earthquake coming through. And uh, anyway, he's like, here's what you don't want to happen. Let me just paint you a picture. It's your casino. It's a pile of rubber. There's metal twisted everywhere. And then it's the front page, front page of the New York Times with a headline that reads, who's to blame? Now, that's what you don't want. What you do want yeah. is and he starts selling him like this and like like way to monitor this risk. Or it's so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> that's just what it reminds me of. It's so true, though, because I don't know if this is every state across the board It is most certainly in Texas. If you live in Texas, you've heard of the Lawhawk. You've heard of the Texas Hammer, especially you've heard of the Texas Hammer. But these like litigation lawyers, right, where somebody rear ended you at 0.3 miles an hour. And now I want 16 million dollars. Right. And they advertise that the uh, the litigation advertisements in Texas alone last year, I think, were 15 million. So they spent $15 million on getting you to ask them to sue someone for you. Right. So if they're spending 15 million on advertisement, you can do that. You can do the Yeah. The P and L statement they're making just truckloads of money hand over fist. So that is exactly what I do. It's like, if one of your dumbass employees picks up a phone and runs into somebody, do you think the attorney, the, the jury cares about, well, I told them not to. They don't care. <laughs> it's yeah. it's going to be lots of money and they will do well for themselves and you will not. So, yeah, there is a lot of that. This is what you don't want to happen. And that's right. You know, and and I, I joke about the professional risk consultant um, deal because it is a fun joke to do because primarily what we're doing is insurance. But there is a piece of that which is like, let's genuinely look at what you're doing. How can we make sure that your employees are safer? you don't run into somebody because I don't want this to be like, Oh, I got off. I ran into this person and we were fine. It needs to be like, we ran into no one ever. And there was no reason, you know, and I I'm sure you are well aware and every listener on here is well aware. Don't use your cell phone when you drive. And that would cut down on 90% of auto accidents. Just don't, just don't do it. So That's there's your wild. free tip of the day. You put that in the blur. Free tip of the day. Don't free use your cell phone when you drive. Don't use your cell phone when you drive, tip of the day. Also, uh, I read this the other day that people who – it's like the accidents cause the two t most common reasons is because people use their phone. And the second one is people don't use their blinker. That like, I would I would I wouldn't believe I would definitely believe that. Again, in Houston, which this is not Houston, thankfully, this is why I don't live there anymore. I spent way too long there. Um no one uses their blinker <laughs> so that's kind that's of wild yeah i mean it's probably the 100 cause because 100 of people don't use it so um Jeez. but yeah no that that's it it's a there was a survey the other day that said that 12 or 13 percent 
of drivers in America have admitted to using Netflix while driving? Or no, no, oh. hit that back. I, I don't want to lie. Netflix or YouTube, a video platform while driving. So wow. watching a video. So for every nine people you pass on the road, one of them is watching a video. So just think of that next time you pass somebody in the left or right lane. That's wild. I, uh, I wanted to ask you about this too, cause you brought this up a little bit. Um, when, when we first met up a little bit about to talk about being on the show and stuff. And, um, there's also another risk that people don't think of when their business is doing really well. And it's like the more like your business starts becoming successful, the more you're likely to get sued by somebody. And that's like a risk that people don't necessarily like think about. Can, can you, explain a little bit more about that like what you were talking about like you the higher your like your business does or like the net worth or something like that then it's yeah. like, like people look for more reasons to try to sue you is that is it accurate it, it, Am I saying this that right? is multifaceted right it requires an entire conversation and a lot of people on here who are 40 and up have hopefully had this conversation already but it's the ones that are are on the uh, verge and have started to gain traction and have started to see success and have not had any negative situations rarely under they just never dealt with it right and they haven't seen any of their friends deal with it most of the people that i know that have these these um different strategies in place it didn't happen to them it happened to their buddy who went out of business or something negatively like very very bad happened um that they're like oh i don't want to do that right it's kind of the the negative right. names list this person didn't buy it. their kid failed out of college and is now like a insert terrible profession here it's the opposite right it, you know versus the valedictorian bottom it's well the dropout bottom right so <laughs> yeah because their their buddy did this and it happened to them and they lost everything they're like all right sorry buddy but i'm gonna go take care of this myself right so there's there's a whole bunch of different strategies in here um from a corporate liability to a partnership liability right it's me and this guy we own 50 50 that guy kicks the bucket I own the business now, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I now own the business with this dude's wife. And this dude's wife is going to evaluate it wherever she wants to evaluate it, or or this lady's husband, right? Let's sure. Right. It's I'm 2022, gonna, Mitchell. I'm a dude, so I use dude versus lady quite often. I have a wife, I don't have a husband. So I, I think, you know, man, wife, just flip it if you're on the other side of sure. things. Um, but yeah, so like I now own this with my buddy's wife, and this business is worth $2 million. She says it's worth five million. So mm. where am I going to come up with two point five, right? So there's there's business. Uh, there's a buy sell agreement that you can put in place. Talk to a lawyer. Cost you a hundred bucks. Or fuck, yeah, it's more than that. Thousand bucks, and it, that's just all taken care of, right? And I've seen businesses go under because of the infighting, right? Like I think it's worth this. I think it's worth that. So let's just part ways and the business folds, right? or the personal liability side, right? Like I'm a business owner, I've got a business truck. So I go drive a business truck around and, you know, I go meet a client, I have a little bit too much fun and I may or may not hit somebody at a red light or at a stop sign or whatever else and bad things happen and someone's in a wheelchair and it's gonna cost you millions upon millions of dollars, right? Like my wife, I love her to death. And one of the reasons I love her so much is that she was in a head-on car wreck when she was 20 years old. You know, she ICU for a month, hospital for three months, had to learn how to walk again, right? Like bad news. Yeah. Right? And she had an ambulance chaser come ask her, hey, we can go after them personally. And she's like, no, right? The guy, the, the kid who hit her 
passed, right? She was like, you're asking me to sue the family of somebody whose kid died, right? Yeah. As a normal human being, she said no, right? But if that had been a company, right? And I think she still would have said no, but well, let's just go back to the general population here. That was a company and that person hit me and now, you know, whatever. I want infinity million dollars. And I'm not saying you're not entitled to it because I cannot imagine losing a kid. If you took one of mine, <laughs> yeah, right? It would be bad news. Wow. But anyway, so I want infinity million dollars. And oh, by the way, if there has been even an ounce of commingling of funds between your LLC or your S Corp or your C Corp and you personally, that one time that your LLC paid your car note or whatever else, right? Um, or your LLC pays for your car that is your business vehicle that you also use on the side, right? Any amount of commingling, a good attorney like the freaking Texas hammer will come in and say the LLC and John Smith, they're the same person. Screw this whole corporate bail nonsense. Sue John Smith and the LLC, right? So the, the, the need for personal liability in excess of your general personal liability limits is very important. Now for your rando on the street, like I don't own a business at this point in my life, but I have enough assets that your natural, and I'm not a personal lines person. I'm going to going to refer you back to your personal lines agent. Um, but your 100, 300 limits are probably not enough if something bad really happens. Right. So your house is worth more than $100,000. Your insurance is run up. I'm sorry, bud. Have fun finding a new place to live. So yeah, yeah. that you never have a conversation about, that's what I do. And I enjoy it because I am, as I said earlier, very close-minded <laughs> loves to see the worst that could possibly happen it's going to be the worst day ever yeah how can i help you prevent the financial loss of that all of that <laughs> all of the bad things yeah um in in your experience what's what are like some real life examples like that, that so we're, we're talking about all these hypotheticals can you yeah. give it like give us like one or two like man I, this is the craziest thing i've seen in this industry where like this company got super i mean i'm talking about like they forgot to keep the wet floor sign that kind of shit like you right. know or like something, something about to slip yeah thankfully those like the i forgot to put the wet floor sign out that what that's going to do is it's going to make you look like a bad business right it's not going to put you out of business but your insurance premiums the next year are going to jump and when you think and this is the thing that i didn't know i'm not a business major i'm not even going to pretend to be a business i'm sorry for that guy um that guy's loud um i'm not going to pretend to think, be a business major do you, do, you, do you think do you think he means it do you think he's actually that cool that was about a 93 that was about a 93 chevy and so is that intentional or was that just it's 90 it's a it's 30 years old at this point so um i do think he's cool whoever he is he lives where i live he has to be cool um fair enough yeah you don't make it this <laughs> cool. um but anyway so the wet floor sign that's not going to put you out of business that's actually going to raise your premiums 15 20 25 right and as a business Yikes. owner which no big deal right but what i never understood because i wasn't a business major is that there's not a single line item on my PL that I can add 25% to and not feel it personally or not think about what am I going to do with my staff, right? Because businesses don't operate at these massive margins that we like to pretend that they do, right? If you never run Correct. a business or never talked to someone who has, you've never understood that profit margins are like this. We think they're this, right? So when all of a sudden you walk in with a 15 to 20% insurance increase, they're saying, what the hell do you mean? That is basically what I thought I was going to walk home with. 
Mm. Maybe not in full, but still like that was, that meant something to me, you know? And so that slip and fall, that dumb thing that you didn't do, right? Which a lot of times, what you're mentioning, and I'm taking this too literally, forgive me. I'm a very little. good. But no, what this you're is great. On the retail side of things, right? The retail side of things, one of the most frustrating things they deal with is a work comp claim where you know this person's faking it. They've been working with you for a week and they're going to claim an overuse injury that they've had for two or three years, right? That's just a, that's a fraud. But one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen is... And this is repetitive, 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 massive auto claims, massive auto claims where you never took the time to look your employees in the eye and say, if you pick your phone up, you're an idiot. And I mean that seriously. You should look at your employees and say, if you pick your phone up while you're driving, GPS, Spotify, text messaging, obviously, you're an idiot. Don't do it. You're putting everybody at risk. Don't do it. And now sign this little piece of paper that says, I told you never to do this, right? So I've had business owners who have told their people, hey, by the way, you know, safe driving is important. Do you know how to drive safe? Yes, I know how to drive safe. Okay, cool. And they go hire somebody who's an outside salesperson or a 1099 or I actually have because I I do a little bit of trucking, but not a whole lot. This is a trucker that has their own insurance. I'm hiring them as a 1099 and I did not hold them to my driving standards. They go, you know, run over whoever. And they have these million dollar limits. And I, I could say this to about the people on this podcast, right? Because most of the people on, on this podcast have been successful and none of us would say no to a million dollars, right? But <laughs> would any of us like lose our lives for it? Would any of us put a million dollar price tag on our kids? The answer is hell no. That price tag is to the root. And so if someone goes and does something dumb. Well, that guy had a million dollars worth of insurance. A jury will blow through that so incredibly fast that it's back on you. And then now you're showing negligence, right? Because you didn't sit down and tell this person who you don't even necessarily, doesn't even necessarily work with you. They just work for you. You never went through these just bullet point, bullet point risk management protocols that make you look like a good employer, right? Um, you're going to get hung out to dry. And so my whole focus with my, my clients is I want you to look like a quality employer, outside of wanting you to be a quality employer, right? That's one of the <laughs> most fun things about working with small business owners. So we're talking anywhere from five to 105, 155 employees. 155 sounds like a lot. That's a small business. I've got a lot of things on my plate. I don't have time to deal with all this, right? So when you tell me that I've got to go do safety trainings, I've got to get signed off driver safety policies from everybody, it's literally a burden upon me. I'm not going to do that, not because I don't think it's important, but because it is a burden. It's like you asking me to fill out my weekly for my roommates. I've already done my summer or my week. I filled out my weekly. Now you want me to fill out their weeklies in perpetuity, not week one, not sitting down with your roommates and helping them. We're talking week 13. We're talking sitting down with your C contracts and doing their weekly for them. It's, it's just not feasible, right? So what I try to do is condense that and say, look, here's the bare minimum and here's why it's important. And most of the folks that I know are good quality people that desire to do the right thing. And even if it means going out of their way, it requires education. Their their initial, this is where it helps me to be such a closed-minded person because my initial response to so many things is like, yeah, it's not important. Um, that's their same initial response, right? Is that's not important. 
And so let's second, third, fourth, fifth approach this because it is important. I know you don't want me to sit here and talk to you about this, but it is important. And I just don't want you to go to business because we did see one going back to your worst case scenario where they were a utilities contractor doing a lot of internet and, and office integration phones and, and Wi-Fi nonsense. And one of their guys was driving and he ran into the back of somebody who was stopped at a stop sign and killed them. That's the worst part. I'm not going to lie. Like the loss of life is way worse. That guy who hit him, he doesn't walk away scot-free either. For the rest, he was probably 30 years old, I guess. I don't know. He walks away for the next, on American average, 45 years of his life, knowing he killed people. That's horrible. These people dead is horrible. And on top of that, a jury found them liable because they didn't have a driver policy in place. They found them liable for $16 million or something like that. They didn't have $16 million of insurance. Uh, and so they're out of business. So 40 or 50 employees show up to work the next day saying, hey, you don't have a job anymore. This dude has killed somebody. Those people are never coming back. He lives the rest of his life knowing he killed them. It's just a, it's a horrible thing. And there's no way you can prevent that forever. Right. I'm not pr pretending I'm like some magic man that can make no accidents happen ever again. But studies have shown that the more you hammer on this stuff, the more you hammer on risk, the more you hammer on safety, subconsciously it sinks in. Right. Like and. I'm jumping a forward six summers. I planned on saying this just to give a sh uh, no five summers. Planned on saying this to give a shout out to West Virginia, West Virginia, and if anybody on this podcast who has sold there knows people there or hopefully live there, I'd love to talk to you if you ever live there. Um, they must have had the greatest public service announcements of all time because West Virginia was the one summer that I never a single time ever walked into a house where people smoked inside. Everyone smoked. No one smoked inside. So those little radio adverts, those little like <laughs> drops, hey, killing your kids, secondhand smoke. Your kids are going to turn out to be like three-legged, four-eyed freaks. Don't do it. It worked. And everybody had an ashtray on their porch. No one had one inside. Greatest summer. I, I enjoy that so much because my clothes had never smelled cleaner. And I know every single person on this podcast knows what I'm talking about, right? It was just, yeah. it, it, <laughs> you leave a that, house and you're like, it works. It works. Wow. Okay. So first of all, okay. A couple of questions. Uh, and then, and uh, about this, cause this is really cool. One, do you operate, I guess. Yeah. Do you operate only in Texas or like, is, is your, does your company, I mean, if I live in Nebraska, for example, can I get a hold yeah. of you to, how does that work? Does it work in your state? I know life insurance isn't quite like that. So how does yeah. that work? Yeah, so Hawaii, y'all are crazy. Um, Alaska, y'all are also difficult. New York, which I know you sold, listened to your former podcast. Uh, New York is also insane. But outside yes. of that, yes. no, it's all, I mean, there's, there's, you know, gradients here where certain things got to go certain ways, minimums and exclusions and certain, um, certain language that's allowed and not. But for the most part after that, it's all the same except for work comp. There are some states that have a monopoly on work comp. Texas used to be that way. Um, Wyoming has Wyoming has some interesting rules. Um, Oklahoma has different pollution rules. But yeah, I mean, those are all like little bitty things that you can find on Google. Um, for the most part, if you live in the other 47 states, you're, you're a normal person. California, you're also a normal person. You're just very, very, very expensive. I'm sorry, mm. but 
talk to your legislators about that. That's true. Uh, that's cool. That's good to know. I have a bunch of people who I know who are small business owners, even people who might not, be, who, you know, who might not listen to this, that, I'm, that uh, I mean, I've been asked about business, that this kind of insurance. Uh, we'll have to connect about this for sorry for another time, but we'll, we'll connect about this after because yeah. this is really awesome. And it's important to know. Um, it's important to to I, I'm going to mention this. I'm going to mention this because I am Hispanic and an immigrant. But in Nebraska, there was a lot of small business owners who would employ uh, uh, undocumented people and then they would go and get in an accident. And then that's like double, triple, quadruple, like extra bad. So yeah. there, there's like so many of those cases that I've heard where it's like, if you only had had some business insurance, even if you don't have the biggest policy, but he had something would have gone yeah. a long way to, to kind of at the very least minimize, if not maybe help a long way uh, in the, in the situation that you now find yourself in. So that's crazy. Um, yeah. It's, and it's, it's wild that you do that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wild As every landscaper in Texas, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and, yeah, hard and then, yeah, that's true. It's true. It's true. Um, and then the next question I was going to ask you is, um, are there, I know you said you specialize with like construction companies or manufacturers and that kind of stuff, but like the, what about companies who are maybe like, for example, something like me or other companies who are, um, not in the, in that realm, is there something yeah. specific that you recommend about maybe something like, it, yeah. uh, I don't know, other kind of yeah. industries. What's, yeah. So what's I get it. It's not my specialty. If someone called me, I'd be like, Hey man, I could totally help you out. Let's, let's get so-and-so involved depending on what that is. Right. Um, so like benefits, benefits is a massive, massive expense for so many companies, right? Especially if you want to stay competitive in the hiring market, it's expensive. It's not really what I do, but I got a guy who's really, really good at it. Talk to him. 401k, same deal. I, I don't know. Right. Hell, I don't know the first thing about it. This guy's really cool. But going back to the, the commercial insurance part, one of the things that my eyes have been open to due to, unfortunately, a, uh, a large amount, I say large, um, a non-small amount of clients who have dealt with this is cyber fraud. Yeah. And, right. But fr so fraud is fraud is me willingly giving up what I have to someone fraudulently. Right. So I get an invoice. It's a legitimate invoice. I owe this person $47,000, 100%. The problem is somebody got into this person's email and sent me that $40,000 invoice for that I owe. And they, they changed those banking numbers down there a little bit. So I send them a $47,000 wire transfer. And my my vendor calls me and says, hey, where's my 47 grand? And I'm like, I sent that last Tuesday. And they said, no, no, the hell you didn't, right? That happens way more than you think. And I sure, I'm sure and it's it's easily rectifiable even without insurance. It's very easily rectifiable with just the risk management style, right? Like, so there's a lot of people that I work with that I, I help them with something or I, and I say me, other people I've mentioned, Shane, Mike, uh, Reed, other guys that do what I do. If they're good at what they do, they're having conversations with you about this stuff that is for you, pennies on the dollar or even just small protocol changes that help you realize like that's a problem and am I going to fix it? And I'm not going to send $47,000 to Russia, right? Because this is another one fun thing that I learned. Russia has legalized cyber hacking. Super cool. And it, as long as you don't, yeah. as long as you don't hack a Russian entity, as long as you do not hack a Russian entity, fair game. Right. So which leads me to the bigger claim, which is a cyber claim. 
or people malware, ransomware. I'm not an IT guy, as I've mentioned probably five times already. I don't know much about technology from that capacity. So I ask, the good thing about that is I ask as many questions as I can. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to your business? So the question I typically ask is if I got into your computer and I wiped that son of a gun, I took it all out, right? And I said, pay me $250,000 or I won't give it back. You got two choices. You pay me two fifty, or you go restart from scratch. And it, and most people I talk to, they will say, "I can start from scratch. I got to go down to Best Buy, buy some laptops, whatever else, and I'll I'll upload it from the cloud or external our external hard drive." And so, I don't deny that because I don't know. <laughs> I'm being serious. I don't right. know. My whole point at this, my whole thing at this point is say. Call your IT guy and ask him if every single one of my computers went down today, how long would it take from the second I call you? How long? A lot of IT guys will say a week, three days, five days, 12 days. How long does it take me to get out there? Because I've got a, I've got a docket. I've got a queue. I've got things I've got to do. And you're going to pay me extra because I'll be working overtime, right? So these are expenses racking up. All right. Let's say you go down for a week. Let's say you're a $40 million company, 40 divided by 52. You're doing damn near a million dollars a week, $700,000. You're out now, right? Cause that was your revenue. Yikes. And so people don't think about it, but I'm down for a week. And depending on what you do, right? I've got, since I'm in construction, a lot of those guys can continue to go do their jobs, right? I've got supplies. I've got a set of pliers and a hammer. Let's go to work. But what I'm learning to do is shift into that space where, if your computers go down, it actually is a very, very bad thing. Even if it's only for a week, you're going to pay your guy, IT guy a hundred grand because him and a, and a staff of people are going to come in here over time. It's going to take a week. All that revenue is gone. Your people expect to get paid. So if you got 30, 40, 50 employees or even 10 and nines, and like all mm -hmm. of a sudden, hey, I'm not going to pay you this week. Mm -hmm. All right. Imagine Southwestern did that to you. I know you sold 800, 900 units this week, but this week was free week. You got mom's week, dad week. Free week. So everything you sold this week, <laughs> congratulations. That it doesn't go over real well. Um, and so typically you dip into your pockets and you pay them anyway, because that's what most business owners do. Most of them are very good people. That hurts, right? And it's not necessarily mm. generational hurt, but it's definitely one, two, three year hurt that uh tends to happen with businesses that are in growth mode, right? So that one year it sets you back. Did it set you back two or three or four and 20 years you'll look back at it and think it's no big deal but in that moment it's very very painful Oof. oh it you hurts lose some talent you will lose some money and i just that that's a big one that we're seeing a lot more of because it is essentially legalized in that that's crazy of the world. um that dno directors and officers um eno is 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 bumping up there um employment practices that's a whole another conversation that's bumping up. Um, there's a lot of the ancillary stuff that it happens to one out of 10,000 businesses, but the one that happens to it does not feel good at all. And it can mm. be fixed by risk management procedures that cost you nothing, just a conversation and a couple hours of change or spend a thousand dollars annually and just insure it. So, yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Oh, wow, this is so cool. All right. Well, last question is if people want to are listening to this and want to get a hold of you, maybe ask you some questions or find out how to get 
some commercial insurance from there, or maybe they, or, you know, something like that. Is that something that they can do? Where, where can they find you? Yeah. This is where I say I'm bad at technology and my social media presence isn't what it should be. As you can tell by the background here, not a whole lot of social media going on. <laughs> We're just thinking um, we have Wi-Fi. I, 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 yeah, well, I'm hotspotting right now. There's very, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Wi-Fi. I, we're 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 Starlink or bust out here, um, and uh, and Starlink last I checked was fall of 2023. So um, Elon Musk has failed me. Uh, so you're in 1923. Yeah, exactly. Freaking Ukraine, man! They took all of our Starlinks. Um, that's a that's a joke. I don't mean to diminish. <laughs> they're obviously they deserve some internet. Let's let's be honest. Uh, all the internet's for free forever. But yeah, um, that's right. No, we do. We do have. Uh, we do have internet out here. We're not that quite that backwards. But seeing as this house isn't not yet complete, we're we're not. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm still pretty old fashioned. I do the exact opposite of what books tells you to do: call my cell phone, send me an email. Um, I can put. I can send it out to you or say it right now. I don't know what's the best way to do that. Either one, whatever works. Is it the same one yeah. that you uh, posted so that we could get a hold of you for this? Yeah. Yeah. Same old email. Oh yeah. yeah. We can, and, have, and it, we can I, have it be on the screen. Yeah. And I do, I do genuinely enjoy my job. I, I, it's, I am a, I, I, I joke about professional risk management consultant, but I do enjoy it. I, I, I have fun having conversations about all the bad things that can happen to you, your kids, your kids, kids, your business, your employees, the whole world, your whole world will burn if you don't have a conversation with me. Right. Uh, that's the, uh, that's the fun part for me. <laughs> Is, uh, is thinking through all those things and then saying, oh, by the way, there's a 0.002% chance this will ever happen. But um, I love to make sure that people are educated and they understand that if anything bad ever happens to them, it's because they can look back in the mirror and be like, yeah, but I knew that could happen. You know, I, I, I knew that was a chance and I took the chance, right? Just like if you lose, I don't gamble. I've never gambled. But if you go lose $10,000 at the craps table, you kind of knew that could happen, right? Yeah. That's how I like to look because most business owners naturally roll the dice. They are naturally risk takers. And so if you take a risk and you fail, I want to make sure that you're aware of what the risk could be because the craps table is very obvious. These tend to be a little bit more nuanced, right? So if anybody just wants to have a conversation, it's very unlikely that I'll be able to, uh, to provide a product for you. But I love talking to both people and I love making sure that everyone's safe and happy and whole and protected and that uh, you and your family continue to be happy for decades to come. That's very nice, Mitchell. Yeah. And so the, the, the email's on the screen, but if you're listening and on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever, uh, I'll read it off. That's M. Stefan. That's M as in Mary. S-T-E-F-F-E-N as in Nancy. 2010. That's 2010 at gmail.com m stefan s-t-e-f-f-e-n 2010 at gmail.com if you have questions or if you want to get a hold of mitchell and ask him a little bit about that that would be about your commercial uh business insurance and uh or just maybe uh referrals that he could send you towards for other kinds of needs as well um heck yeah man this is cool this is sweet. Um, you're the first commercial insurance person I think we've had, or maybe yeah. if not, like we've only had less, we've had no more than two or three. So yeah. it's, it's always good to kind of remember 
what this is about. So uh, um, I'm gonna, if you need to take out, since it's warm and you're outside, if you know, need to go get water, um, I'm gonna switch into, give some more shout outs and then we'll switch into Southwestern stuff. We'll go ahead and do that. And I will uh, bring you back up in a sec. What, five minutes? Uh, maybe three or four probably, but yes. Not even <laughs> two. <laughs> Um, all right, guys, quick shout outs uh, to coming up. And I want to make sure I give them their due just because we have some really cool partners. Um, honestly, definitely listen in on this because there's some new stuff that's coming and switching up. So if it's been your first episode for a while, definitely worth listening. Uh, first shout out I want to give out is to Pat Roach. Uh, he was just hanging out with my brother um, for Phil Zolke's wedding. But one of the biggest things that we want to make sure we emphasize here is culture company culture. If you want to work in a place where it's a lot of fantastic people working with you, take all of the good things from Southwestern and leave out all the bad and then have it be fun. Maybe look into real estate. Uh, it's one of those industries where 95% of the people who start, they quit a year later. It's a 95% uh, turnover rate, but with Southwestern real estate, they actually are the exact opposite where they keep 95%, which is kind of cool. And the best part about it is someone like Grant Greeter, uh, Meredith Gardner, and Phil Zolke, some of our previous guests who've been on the show, have told us about the ability to be flexible and still be able to enjoy all of the things that they want, prioritize the things that they want. And of course, the industry is too good to mess up. And they are rocking it right now. 99% drama free. And uh, of course, the barrier to entry is a lot lower because of the coaching and the ability to be able to train you the right way. They're experts in their field for warmer and more reliable sales as well. So um, real estate has been really crazy lately, but with him and his team, you're guaranteed to be a success in the industry. They're awesome. We love you guys. You guys are great. Uh, big shout out as well to Dylan Barr and Thought Leader. We just had Fido on the show last May uh, talk about his TED Talk, but what these guys do is to help the land TED Talk. So if you or someone you know uh, wants to do that, this is a good way to reach out to them. But they are actually looking for people to be part of their sales team. So they have two roles available. Number one role is the SDR role. And basically, they are the people who are making sure that the leads that they're getting are qualified. So there's no cold calling. All the leads that they get calling on the phone. These are people who are excited. They want to do their TED talk, but they want to learn a little bit more about the program and how they are able to help people do this. And so your job is just to make sure that they're qualified and set them up with an enrollment advisor. That uh, on-target earnings for that is about fifty to 75000 So it's more of an entry-level uh, position, but high, high-caliber people is what they're looking for. And then if you're a total badass, badass, enrollment, enrollment advisor is the role that you're looking for there. And then you're sitting down with a calendar of people who are already set. Imagine having all your sit-downs prepped for you, and you're just going and closing and making sure that the people are uh, the cream of the crop to have the actual viable option and chance to make it to the TEDx stage. So that is about 130 to 200,000 plus a year on target earnings. Of course, um, other benefits are included in that. If you are interested, reach out to us and our Dylan Barr because the standards for this is pretty high. They're looking for Southwestern alumni for a reason, but the right people uh, who find this job, this could be an opportunity of a lifetime. And honestly, it's a sweet company, such a cool environment that they have there. But Dylan Barr is a sales and client experience. He's head of both of those departments. Of course, he sold books. Uh, you can reach to him at DB, that's Dylan Barr, DB, at thought-leader.com, thought-leader.com. And uh, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And then um, second, shout out over to Cardinal. Uh, a ton of reasons why their agents do pretty well. Uh, the primary reasons that they're able to write so much business in such amount, a small amount of hours because of the system that they built, uh, their leads, 
no cold calling, zero cold calling. They do direct mail leads every week. Each agent works about, uh, gets about 25 to 40 direct mail leads. And depending on how much or how little they want to work, there's basically the summary of what the card. It's kind of like a little card and people fill this out and it's like, Hey, you qualify for this program for final expense. If it's important for you to know that you qualify uh, for this life insurance benefit, um, it, they'll pay all your funeral expenses, make sure that you or family is left in uh, a good spot. If you're interested in that, complete this information below. So that's who you're calling people who are mailing in. Yes. I want to learn more about this final expense insurance. So basically they're pretty warm leads. <laughs> they have all the information in there. Uh, it's not like the yellow sheets that you get passed around when you're recruiting. These are people who will know exactly why they're calling and why they want people to call them. Um, and so they get a pretty high rate uh, return of, of investment on their time for these leads. Um, they're spending almost all their time with people who are wanting to talk. Let's imagine like a mom calling you going, hey, I want books. I'm like, all right, I'll be right there. <laughs> so if the idea of having qualified prospects to call in every week is important to you and you like the idea of working smaller hours for a, a lot bigger of a payout, uh, give us a call. Cardinals doing a $500 referral bonus. So if you or someone you know is interested in this, make sure you refer them. There's a link below you can click on to send that refer, refer, uh, the referral uh, submission form. And so feel free to get on to that. And that is it for now for our shout outs. My man Mitchell is back. Boom, boom. Did you get some water? Yep. I'm working on this tequila pretty hard. My water again. <clears throat> House is under construction, so my water is not necessarily <laughs> a short walk. <laughs> it's 110 degrees inside your house. Is that what I heard? I mean, that's it's a little exaggerated, but it's not far. Yeah, it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you don't have AC. Ah, uh, yet. yet. Yikes! Yikes, man. Well, it's uh, we've reached the section where we wind the clocks back and talk a little bit about this. The reason. The reason that we met in the first place yeah. <laughs> this is crazy for people who don't know i i've never met mitchell I, mean, I had a conversation with mitchell for like an hour about business stuff like last week other than that this is this is the first time we've really chatted and that, that's what's cool about this program if there is a positive you know out of the positives of southwestern we can chalk that one to the to that is that when you meet people who also sold books it's like hey this is a really cool connection and that's what i've loved about this job so um let's wind the clocks back Go back to 07. What a year. Right before the stock market just collapsed. <laughs> and uh, talk to me. You're sitting in AM, minding your own damn business. And then what happened? How'd you get into this crazy thing? False. Um, you can wind it back to 2007, four. Oh. In 2004. Yeah, you had Jessica Lackey on. Um, yes, who told you about her wily brother Dylan Lackey and how he uh tricked her in going to an, a notebooking session, right? Um, yes. this man, uh, and, and if you ever get to interview my brother Scott, um, I, I would strongly recommend it. He's done very well in life and he's a cool dude and he's funny. Um, he uh, so I, I come from what again, you mentioned Seguin, you actually knew how to say it, so congratulations. I come from a place that I, you know, you've heard of golden triangles, right? Like uh, Southeast Texas, the golden triangle of NFL prospects. And that kind of envelops Louisiana a little bit. There's the golden triangle of business and the golden triangle, like Bermuda Triangle, right? I, I would like to say that we come from, and this could easily be disproven by all sorts of facts, but I'm going to run with it anyway. Um, the golden dot of Southwestern, which me and my three brothers, and I think my older brother recruited one other person from Seguin, 
which is population 25,000. There's four there. Then there's Dylan and Jessica and Ryan Schwab, who I didn't really know. So forgive me if I'm saying his name wrong. From Marion, which is far smaller than Seguin. Then there was Matt Linsman. Uh, one of my cousins did it that we didn't even know about that until I went to my notebook session. But they showed that like, here's all the fun we have in Southwestern. And I was like, Scott, is that our cousin? He's like, yeah, <laughs> it is, right? I had a lot of cousins. Um, but yeah, so this one little spot on the map, tons and tons of people. And one of those was my brother who got tricked into going to an informational or a notebook, one of the two, <laughs> by Dylan. So if you're listening to this <clears throat> and you're still in Southwestern and you're considering recruiting, I would strongly advise you to trick and bribe as many people as you can to make it to an informational because the impact you'll have by lying to people will be tremendous. Um, but yes. Um, but yeah, no. So I was a sophomore uh, in high school uh, going into my sophomore, like, you know, in sophomore to junior summer when my older brother, he was a freshman in college at, at A&M when my mom was like, Hey, by the way, Scott's not coming home this summer. He's going to work. It's like, cool. It's like, like he's not coming home at all this summer. I was like, yeah, that's all right. Go make some money, man. Um, and then, you know, he was gone all summer. And then, you know, he called my mom sometimes and my mom would go out of the room. I don't know if those are good calls or bad calls. You, you'll never know. Right. That's in the past. But I do know she'd go out of the room and she'd take his call. She'd talk real quietly. And then uh, and then wave your magic wand. 13 weeks later, my older brother comes home with a check for twenty thousand dollars. And I was like, I literally have no idea what you did this summer, but you can sign me up um, because I was. As I mentioned, I think I mentioned briefly earlier, um, I was a radically closed minded person, not a closed minded person, a radically closed minded person. And I was absolutely unrecruitable by anybody. If you had passed out a, a questionnaire in my class, I wouldn't have filled it out. If someone would have um, put my name on a green sheet, I would not have answered your call. By the way, no one would have put my name on a green sheet because I didn't talk to anybody um because i don't know you so what's the point of knowing you right i've changed a bit if you can't tell this will this will this will evolve um but yeah and, and those that knew me in books you know exactly what i'm talking about if you were my friend today it's because you made me your friend and i appreciate it i appreciate you making me your friend because you know Growth. damn well i did not approach you you approached me um but yeah man it was uh i was absolutely completely and utterly closed-minded to any and all new opportunities so um, the fact that my brother made money was all that really mattered because in addition to my closed mindedness about so much, I was absolutely closed minded to any university outside of Texas A&M University. I'm a small town country boy. That's what you do in Texas. If you're a country boy in Texas, you go to A&M. If you're a city boy in Texas, you go to UT. If you're a country boy in Texas that doesn't have academic chops, you go to Texas, Texas Tech. Um, so sorry to all, all of it fans. That's, that's a bit of a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. You're good people too. Um, sorry, I had to get a little barb in there. But yes, that's what small town people. You went to AM, right? And um, so very close-minded. I was not. I literally did not apply anywhere other than Texas AM. And when looking for summer jobs, I look, literally looked at no summer jobs outside of Southwestern. Um, I just knew I was going to do it because you had to go. In my family, you had to go to college. You were likely going to go to AM and you know, by the way, you got to pay for it, right? Because um, we're not going to do it for you. So there were um, scholarships available, but outside of that, that's on you. 
So my brother went and made 20 grand and I also knew Jessica growing up and she did very, very well. Um, Jessica Roberts now, uh, Dylan knew him very well. We all did 4-H together. We did livestock judging together. We all knew each other. I knew Matt Linsman. Um, there's plenty of people in my life that did very, very well. So for me, it was just like, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like drinking water. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna of course. Oh, I guess I'll take some water. That sounds good. It's hot. I'll take some water. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was literally that simple, right? Again, it was just, it was so simple and spelled out for me that it made no sense not to do it. Um, so much so, in fact, this is a fun story that I remembered. And I, I hate to say this. I've been so excited about this podcast um, for far too, far too excited, far too long. Um, but uh, I, I thought about this the other day and thinking about this podcast, it was like, I started dating a girl between junior and senior year of high school. And I told her point blank, like, cause she was, I think she liked, I think she was the longhorn. Most people in Texas are, it's unfortunate how misguided. Nobody's so perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate how many misguided so many people in, in Texas are. We're not, <laughs> we're so close to perfect, except for that, that, that subset of the population. Listen, uh, not but, to make this political, but we've witnessed you guys from afar in some different aspects. And we're like, whoa, they do it differently down there. That's a story for another time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. This girl yeah, you're yeah. dating me too. I love that line, year. man. I love that line. That's just that's just like I'm glad that you're you're reclaiming the southwestern one-liners and making your own. That's a story for another time. Um, but anyway, I don't know where she would have gone to school. And I didn't even care. I just told her, like, look, we're not even boyfriend and girlfriend yet. We're just dating. Just so you know, if this goes anywhere, a buying atmosphere, totally. I'm going to Texas A&M, like in College Station. I'm going to go there. If you think that I'm going to apply at Texas State or TLU or any of these, uh, you know, St. Mary's, UTSA, if you think I'm going to apply anywhere in the general vicinity, you are wrong. And I'm going to go to A&M. So I just, you don't have to follow me. I'm just letting you know. She's like, okay, cool. And by the way, once I get to Texas A&M, I'm going to have a summer break, except I won't have one of those. And I'm, I'm a junior going into senior year of, of high school. <laughs> I'm not going to have a summer break. I'm going to go sell books because I'm broke and I don't want to be broke. I'm pre-broke. I'm not even college yet. I'm already understanding how broke I am. And I'm going to go sell books because I need to I need to put some money away. Right. And so um I mean, buying atmosphere. And uh, I learned it early on. So, yeah, go to go to school, get settled in more or less. Uh, took a long time. Again, I'm very, very resistant to change. Homesick to hell. Um, did not like my freshman year of school at all. But one thing I did know is that I'm going to sell books. So Marcel Mayer was on campus doing notebooks. And my brother took me to one of them. And the whole time I was listening to Marcel's speech. And if anybody wants to fill me in on what the uh, the seven points of the of the reasons why you'd want to do this are, number seven was my number one. And that was money. Uh, do you know them? What are the seven? Oh, I, I know them. And one is travel. Yeah, travel. Let's take these so, one by one. Let's take these one by one. So travel is number one. Yeah, I don't know if they're still in this order, but it was like right. you get to travel. So you let's get to one by one. So travel, right? Yeah. That's actually a negative sell for me. Again, resistant to change. Telling me I have to leave Texas? <laughs> I do not like this idea at all. Seeing other places is for, for, for hippies and losers. 
I don't do these. And again, I'm saying this in 18 year old Mitchell, not current Mitchell. So forgive yeah. me. But 18 year old Mitchell was like, that's for that's for idiots. Who would ever leave this fantastic state that you see in my background? That's amazing. Dumb. All right. So number <laughs> Who two. want to see mountains? Ever? No one. Uh, Those are no, dumb. Number two. Yeah. Number two. Drive around them. You should just drive no. straight. No, Forever. you got to climb them, baby. You got to no, climb. Terrible them. idea. Terrible idea. Uh, my yeah. brother once said, my brother once said, oh, people weren't built to climb because we, were, we went rock climbing. I love rock climbing. He's yeah. like, dude, we weren't built to climb. I'm like, I know. But on the other hand, mountains were made to be climbed. So I guess it's up to you. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, wow, you still got it. Yeah. <laughs> so travel. 18 Number year old. Like, you're just all dumb. Everyone is dumb. Yeah. Fair enough. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. Number two was college credit. Don't care. I'm an education major. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a science teacher and a high school football coach. Your, your credit means nothing to me. Continue. Fair enough. Number three, resume builder. The experience. Don't like care. I'm going to be a science teacher and a, and a, and a football coach. <laughs> They're begging for us. I don't need your resume. Continue. Uh, the money was the last one. So we talked about that was your number one, just straight up money. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Personal challenge. So it was don't like, care. it was like doing something hard. Don't care. Not interested at all. And then what were the other two? There was uh yeah, I don't remember the other two. Yeah. My brother's gonna be come blunt. My older like, brother did this. My older brother did this. Jessica did this. Dylan did this. Matt Linsman did this. I don't believe in personal challenge, just fine. This is not gonna be hard. All right. So it was just straight up like I'm poor. Money. You have money. Right. And and I I am the anomaly in that that like you know, everyone's like, oh, the money's part of this. No, like I wasn't here for money, right? And it changed, obviously, it changed. But I was literally straight up 100%. I need money. I need it sooner rather than later. So let's go to this thing. My brother made 20 grand. I expect 20 grand. False expectations, by the way. Um, but uh, that was like, <laughs> it was like, look, he made 20 grand. Where's my 20 grand? Let's roll. And he's an idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot. <laughs> I mean, yes, I understand that my brother is more outgoing, more personable, Way better, way smoother talker, and, and and honestly more intelligent than me. But I can do that, right? Why not? Um, but I'm better looking, you know. No, I, 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 and that, that's him, and you can decide that. But um, it was it was straight up like he did it. Why not? Right? I mean, if he made twenty, I'll make eighteen. And I'm dead serious. Like I, yeah, I, I had the same thought. If he made twenty, I would come home with no less than fifteen thousand dollars. Spoiler alert, I came home with less than fifteen thousand dollars. But and we'll and we'll get to that. But yeah. I, I know honestly, I that was the same thing I thought. The guy that recruited me, Steve, he was like, Listen, I made 17 grand and I had zero sales sales experience beforehand. And in my head, I'm like, you know what? Shit, I've been in sales, like I was working at a retail store. I'm like, but I, that's more sales experience than he had. If he made 17, I can at least make 10. Yeah. That was my thought, you know. So that's fair enough. Also, I found I remember the number five or six was uh you get to network, you build this giant network yeah. throughout the country okay. from all these people. Not interested. Yeah. Not interested. Yeah. 100% not interested. Also, also, that's also not true because we're, we, we're, that's what we're trying to make happen as a show. That's like Again, a statement. We're talking 18 year old Mitchell. 34 year old Mitchell is very interested. I moved, and I'm not lying here, I moved to a town of 929 because I feel that community and understand knowing who your neighbors are is so vitally important, like vitally important that that was part of the move here. And the parish that we're a part of, and the town we're a part of, and sports and everything else. But eighteen-year-old Mitchell, community's dumb. Yeah, uh, having a <laughs> having a network of individuals that you can call on if you ever need them. Super stupid. Just be a lone wolf for the rest of your life. What could possibly go wrong? Um, that was again. Um, Money. Obviously, I have grown 
a bit since that moment. But I'm trying to do my best to get back in that role of like, all of this is stupid. I don't care about any of it. I need money because I have to pay tuition next year. You have money. I need money. Let's work. Give it to me. I will work. Yeah, and work. and the work ethic, the work ethic didn't seem to be a problem. I mean, you kind of knew what you were going into, which is kind I of different for some people. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody thinks they know what they're going into, even if you're yeah. well explained. And then they get there and they're like, oh, this yeah. is not what I, <laughs> yeah. What so, I yeah, like and, and I learned this on the first day. Well, I didn't in in, in sorry for the background noise here for some entire stepping on this building material. Um I thought I knew what I was getting into the very first day. Uh, so I come from obviously an agricultural background. Like we work cattle, we work hogs, goats, you name it. Um, you know, wake up early, stay up late, all that other good mm-hmm. stuff. Skin your own, skin your own meat, process your own meat, do your own thing, right? Um, and that's not a hundred percent of my background. You know, there's there's a city portion of that as well. But on my dad's side, it was very much like, kill what you eat. If you didn't kill, you good luck tomorrow, right? Like you're gonna be hungry tonight. You're gonna wake up tomorrow with an empty belly. Good luck. That's that was where the, the lessons that we learned from our father. And uh, so I thought I genuinely thought I was a very hard worker and it took all of 7.59 a.m. to teach me that I'm not nearly as grit and uh, and gutsy as I thought I was. That first house, and I'm sure plenty of you all had the same experience, that first house. So I got out to my territory, 7.30. I know this, the house on the corner of such and such street, that's the one you're supposed to knock on. So I get there. I just keep on driving, man. I'm mapping it. I'm mapping the whole street. And then 740, and then 750, 755, 758. I was like, and, and one thing I will say, as much as I, uh, as, as many things didn't go right that, that first summer, one thing I will say is like, I, I made a promise, 759. So by 759, I walked up to that very first house. And I don't know how well the speakers are going to work on this thing, but I walked up to the very first house, set my book bag down, 759, like on the dot. I was like, ready to rock and roll. Pop a neck. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. No one's home. Um, I mean, it's just the the definition of boldness and and manliness and just, ah. No, I I courage. Just courage is a great word for it. Uh, Punked out hardcore. Drove around for the next 30 or 40 minutes before I actually truly knocked on my first house. But by by the letter of the law, I knocked by 759 that morning. So, yeah, it was a. As 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 uh, as much grit and gumption and hardworking attitude as I thought I was bringing to the thing, it was proven to me within the first house. So I was like, "You're in for something a little bit different here." No doubt. I have a lot of questions. Okay, sales school, people being wacky, the cool card, being a radically closed-minded, negative person that Mitchell <laughs> was at eighteen. How did did you sit in with it? By the way, people don't know what execs are and like what sales school is. You have to be silly. What I mean by cool card, we don't have the. I don't know if we have these on the air, Amy. But basically, I'll explain it. But basic because I know we don't. But in sales school, the biggest thing that you have to learn, and this is why people think that Southwestern's kind of cultish, but it really isn't. It's just actually a really important life lesson. I think is that you have to stop caring so much about yourself is really the key to sales school is they get you to stop caring so much about how you look and who you are. So they, we do like silly dances. We do silly chants. You, you have this cool card because really that's the key to doing well, both I think in life and in, in Southwestern 
and so many of our guests, especially those the ones that were in it for multiple summers who had a lot of success uh, during and after, they all said the same thing. It was, you got to stop taking yourself so fucking seriously. You got to take what you do seriously, but not yourself. And that's what sales school kind of decides to do. But it's hard as an 18-year-old person to go in, especially if you're like Mitchell is self-described himself. You know, like how, how was that culture shock for you of someone asking you, Hey, do this silly dance or whatever. Like what, what right. is that like? Yeah. Right down the middle. Right. So cool card. The good news for me is that I was not cool and I didn't want to be cool. <laughs> I actually wanted people to leave me alone as much as physically possible. Um, that's why I went to bother people on their front porches rather than people bothering me online. Um, but yeah, so like, all right, no, I don't know any of you. Like I'm thinking my, my, my original organization, right? So I had my brother and then I had my best friend went out with me that summer I co co-recruited him. It didn't work out as well for him um, as it did for me, but outside of him and my brother, I didn't know any of those people. So you want me to do some dumb dances or whatever? That's fine. I have no cool card with y'all because I don't know you and I don't want to know you. And I hope you never talk again. And again, talking 18 Mitchell, 18 year old Mitchell voice. Sorry. Like you got to put two different filters on here. 34 year old Mitchell disagrees with 18 year old Mitchell. Shockingly. I did grow up. That's okay. But 18 year old Mitchell was like, I don't care who the hell you are. I'm going to sell books and you're going to sell books. And one of us is going to do better than the other. And I'm going to go home with money. That's what I'm going to go home with. You go home with your money. I go home with my money and we'll never talk again. That's what Southwestern is all about. Screw networking and friends and family and, and, and marriage. Resume. And I'm never going to talk to you again. That's what Southwestern is for. Everyone knows this. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, so yeah, doing all the dumb dances and stuff like that. I, I, I definitely had the, the introvert, in me because i am a i'm a radical introvert which i've learned to disguise but um as a radical introvert it was like this is all horrible the only way i got through all that was like i'm never gonna be i'm never gonna see these people ever again and <laughs> mm. i was wrong i was wrong well actually my first org i don't know if any of those people came back but um subsequent summers but yeah i was like i'm never gonna see you ever again i don't know you i don't want to know you so I'll, I'll look like a fool in front of you it was but so there was, and plus I wasn't necessarily the cool kid on campus. So there was no cool card to lose. It was more of like that breaking out of your shell and allowing yourself to look stupid in another front of other human beings. The only reason I was able to do that was I genuinely believed I would never see these people ever again. So, yeah, that's exactly that's what a good way. Of you all thought you were going into your first summer. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, now you get out there. I don't even remember and, that. And where were you? Where were you that first summer? First summer was Four City, North Carolina, Rutherford County, uh, Rutherford County, North Carolina. Um, I lived in Chesney, South Carolina. Beautiful town, eleven hundred ish people. I lived with the Burnses. Uh, we had our house found for us on Saturday evening by some girls in the organization because the three dudes that were looking had no success. So, and actually, I remember our host family being a little bit like, I thought, I think her name. I don't remember her name. I don't remember it at all, but. I thought you were moving in here. What are these dudes doing here? <laughs> and they were a little bit blindsided by, by it, but that's part of the beauty, man. There's a lot of, a lot of growing up in that because by Saturday night, I, my stomach was definitely in my throat thinking like, Oh shit. I thought we just all found a place to live. And it, it did end up working out and it worked out for the better. That was definitely God shining down upon us. That moment right there was definitely one of those, definitely one of those moments where you like in a small way, a very, very, very small way that that has no, big bearing on your life. You can see the small blessing in it. And, uh, and I'm glad because we were the boys, three of us, we were canvassing the forest city. We worked our butts off. 
knocked on every freaking house. When we came back to sell books, when I came back to sell books later that, that summer, they knew who the hell we were. Like we did a good job. We had no success. It was the girls that were started knocking on towns outside of our town that ended up finding it. And I'm very glad they did. Gas was roughly 25 cents a gallon cheaper in South Carolina rather than North Carolina. Oh, nice. I don't know if that continues to this day, but in the summer of 07, it did. And that would save me roughly a thousand bucks, I guess. Right. So yeah. my final check was 93. So 93 to 83. There's a big feels, you know, it doesn't like monetarily. We all know as adults, like whatever, but at the moment, there's some big feels between a nine and an eight or 10, right? If they could save me 25 cents more, you know, freaking South Carolina. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. And that dude that we lived with, he owned the Ford dealership in town. So I lost a transmission week five or six. He got my transmission replaced for $400, which is unheard of. Clutch. Um, <laughs> Literal clutch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was just the absolute perfect spot that took care of us. Like they were our own, their t family was super tight knit. We, we met, these were older folks in their eighties, seventies or eighties. We met their kids and their kids as kids. It was just awesome. It was a picturesque view of like family. Um, mm. but yeah, man, sold in forest city, uh, worked my territory like crap. I remember doing deliveries and thinking like, there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole neighborhood there. Where did that neighborhood come from? How did they build that neighborhood? <laughs> Those cars, you know, that, that these house houses look like they're 30 years old. And how did they do that? Dude, like a whole neighborhood just missed yeah. 150 houses, just missed that whole bad boy. I was so mad. I believe the first two days of deliveries, I think every first year has there, you're just like, yeah. what the fuck was I doing? Yeah. Well, you mentioned first day of two days of deliveries. I remember sending out all my green cards. And then I think it was my brother who was my manager. It might've been my student manager in the house, but someone was like, Oh, you didn't organize your green cards. It's like, I don't know. I just went one through 30, 31 through 60. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Right. It's like, no, no, you're supposed to like organize them. I was out till 2 AM every night zigzagging that whole County. All those Saturday callbacks, man, they crushed me that delivery. It's not fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a good summer. It was fun. I remember my first customer. Um, her name was Mrs. Byers. So my yes. first she uh, <laughs> she bought the Mufus. Zero down, zero down. Uh, my second customer, my second customer was it, I, it was Mrs. Byers. One, two, three houses later, Mrs. Sellers. Right. So my first no. buyers and Mrs. Sellers, Mrs. Sellers also picked up some Mufus as generous yeah. as And she didn't put any money down, uh, shockingly enough. Um, the confidence level that I had was just through the roof. And uh, yeah. So and then I think I had another zero down customer that day. I definitely collected zero dollars. And uh, and I felt great, man. This is the funniest part. I don't mean to go off too, too far on a tangent of our first summer, but. When they said, I, I would, when my, my brother asked me, hey, will you be coachable? I said yes, and I meant it. So when they said units don't matter, units did not matter, right? So I had zero, zero, three zero down customers, and I was flying like high as a kite, man. I was like, whoo, three customers. Never thought I could have done this. Did you collect any cash? Absolutely not. Who does, what does it matter? Units don't matter, right? 
Um, and then this is the best part. I, I was reminiscing all this again. I've, I've probably overprepared and I'm sorry, but no, this is great, my, man. Don't my manager, Tyler Cox, Tyler Cox, good dude. I think he's an attorney now track him down somewhere. Um, he was on his second summer a student in, you know, student manager in the house second summer. And, uh, he came to work in my territory the second day and, uh, he had one customer. It was for one handbook, six units at the time, also zero down. Right. So if you went and uh, and had three zero down customers and your your HQ manager went out there and had one zero down customer. I could see how a lot of people would rightfully be thinking like this whole thing's a scam. No one wants these things. Me. I was like, boom, I had three. You had one. I'm so awesome because Tyler did like 41, 4200 <laughs> units his first summer. He's like top five rookie. It's like. Dude, the top five rookie can't even beat me. Then I'm totally rocking this. I'm gonna have a great summer. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and I think that I, I remember that first week was nine customers. However, I think three strong, something like that. I, and by the way, also side note, if anybody has access to those weeklies, you know, that, not the weeklies, right? Not the, the one pay setters. What's that? The pay setters. Not the pay setters. What's that thing that they show at GRS the ne- or sales school next year? Like. Here's so and so's summer of oh whatever. Oh, uh, canvassing charts. Like yes. Canvassing. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. If anybody can help me track down some canvassing charts, I would love to reminisce a little bit. I love books probably too much, um, but yes, I remember. Like if you, I want to look back at that. I think it was nine customers for thirty-seven units, and I flew into that Sunday thinking I crushed it. I felt so good about my week. I was ready to just tell everybody, like I learned my sales talk back in the fall. I learned my, I learned my, my approach back in the fall. My brother did this. Obviously it's my time to shine. Look at me. I had nine customers. Tell me you topped that. Well, we did recognition. Someone topped it. Um, the vast majority of organization <laughs> topped it. And one of the dudes who whined absolutely the most had like 30, 31. I'm like, that sucks. Um, and then, you know, no one talks units, but everyone talks units. So you like, you hear the whispers. I'm like, that dude did 270. I did 37. I, he did two, 270? Once at 70, right? No. And so obviously by this point, I'm thinking like, man, I'm not very good at this. Um, and then time for your one-on-one or your PC. Go ahead and pop the bubble up, right? You have your PC. Yeah. And for me, it was my older brother. And yeah, my older brother, um, who like me and him, we were cool. We're brothers, right? But we were, as you, as you know, with your brothers, like at 18, 19, 20 years old, you're not exactly nice to each other. Most of what you do is make fun of each other. At least I think that's normal. Uh, I made fun of him. He made fun of me, right? Yeah. Um, so we sit down and he was like, it's okay to start slow, man. My best summer ever was in Georgia. And I started really slow. And I sold a butt ton of books, man. So like, it's okay to start slow. And my thought was like, I suck. <laughs> if my older <laughs> brother is being this nice to me, there's only one reason is because he doesn't want me to quit. I'm obviously awful at this. And uh, thankfully, between the the recognition and the in the whisperings amongst units of first years, and then my brother being so kind to me, it. it came to me like you're really really bad at this you should be better and it didn't necessarily set my uh my belief barrier higher but my expectation levels were like 
obviously what you did was unacceptable even if no one wants to say it it was mm. and uh, it went it went up from there so um first summer ended up pretty good yeah four city north carolina that was a very long way sorry for the the other no. man but yeah dude this is the whole point of this podcast ain't no ain't no and we don't give a shit. Talk about whatever you want. This is great. Yeah. This is cool. This is your experience. You can share it however you want. Um, yeah, question. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm yeah, gonna go say, ahead. But you say my experience. I forgot to mention this because I, I had unashamedly rehearsed this as well. One of the reasons I was so excited about the pod, this podcast is it's like it's kind of a semi-retirement speech, right? Like <laughs> if you work for a company for 30 or 40 years and you're like, you are the company, right? Like think office space. <laughs> Think every horrible movie, every horrible sitcom you ever watch, they eat the stupid cake and nothing. But, you know, none of those companies in those shows talk about how, like, you're family, right? So Southwestern absolutely unabashedly, unashamedly talks about how we're family, we're, we're cohesive. And even if I thought my first year I don't want to network with you, I want nothing to do with you, there's undoubtedly, like, there's a network here and it's tight and it's tight knit. and We preach it, we preach it, we preach it. And then you leave and you're just gone forever. And that's fine. It's a self-preservation tactic. I don't blame them. And I would do the same thing if it was my company. But as dumb as I thought like a retirement speech would be to like the general audience, it'd be really cool to sit down with the people that matter to the most to you and be like, hey, here's my experience. Here's what I loved about it. Here's why I think you should do it as long as you can. I'm out. Right. Um, because it, because it does matter. Right. It does matter to you. And sometimes you just want to instead you kind of like slink away. You're quiet. People ask you like, hey, are you coming back next year? Like, well, you know, I'm thinking about it. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. You can never just boldly say like, no, I'm not. And I hope you stay here for the next 10 years. Right. Like it's uh, you never really get to unload. You unload privately to a few friends. It's just fun to like, get it out there, man. So anyway, I, I, I derailed you from your question after my uh, my that's the second rant. Sorry. Um, no, it's all good. Yeah, and I agree. That's this is the fun part about this is is well, it, it's just the the um, there's something about like meeting meeting someone else that did this, yeah. who kind of gets that part of you because because I feel like when you leave and we can we can go back to your summers, but this this could be a good conversation is just when when you leave and you meet people who didn't sell books and then you try to explain to them that you did this, and they and you I mean you could go into as much detail as possible and they just don't get it it's like it's it you it, uh, it's like having a superpower or a secret identity like you're superman at, at one, like you used to be batman you know what yeah. i mean it's like you used to be batman but you're not bruce wayne and you're like yeah. dude I used to be, and you'll ah. be reshamed forever right yeah, <laughs> yeah there's so actually the uh and i'm not going to go into too many specifics on and the people in my company because no one has um no one else has has uh, said they want to be on this, right? Um, and most of none of them have sold books, right? So I'm not going to use identities here, but there is one man in my office who does not do sales. He is not a salesperson, but he sold books for one summer, and he gets me far better than the rest of the sales staff does. Yeah, He's just like I get it, man. I understand. Like when you try to push the boundaries, when you try to like set a new level, when you try to set a new level of acceptance what is what is acceptable all right right like this is what we're going to do here he's like i get it it's never going to work here by the way but you know i get it i get what you're coming at where you're coming yeah. from it is it there's just a, an unspoken second language that you yeah know. it's different yeah it is it is uh, and you know what's also sad is when you meet someone and i'm not trying to say that this is a bad thing for from the standpoint of like a 
a statement of judgment of someone's character or personality or whatever. But when you meet someone who's either super, 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 super against Southwestern, like super negative towards it, or super, 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 super positive after they've been out, there's like, because because you're like, hey, hold on. <laughs> The most of us that sold books and then left understand, hey, it was honestly probably one of the coolest things I could have done for myself. Yeah. Right? It's one of the best things I could have done my, for myself. But there's also, you know, some stuff that I was like, damn, that was kind of shitty. And that's OK. I mean, it wasn't like detrimental to myself or my well-being, but, you know, it could have been better. Right. That's it. Yeah. And that's probably the extent of of what we feel about it. And then you meet the people who are like, it's a cult and it's a or like it's it's a it's a it's a. And you just hear the rant or you read people's blog or something like that about yeah. it. And you're like, oh, dude, that sucks for you because yeah. there's so many cool things now. So many awesome conversations. I mean, personally have had, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, after that you feel bad for both, both of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Real quick. That train's about five miles off. So we'll see how this goes. Oh, so so there's a train coming. Sneak a quick one minute commercial in there. Um, <laughs> That's but, fine. Uh, yeah. If it starts being loud, I'll let you know. Five minutes. Five minutes to sit down. Um, but no, I, I agree. Right. Like in the good thing is that coming from AM, we are also a cult and we're a stronger cult than Southwestern. So we can just get over that hurdle. No big deal. Right. And, and if, you, if you've ever gone to AM's campus, you understand what I'm saying. We're not actually a cult. We don't like, you know, worship any weird deities. Um, but yes, we're definitely like, if you don't go to AM, you're a terrible person. And, you know, all the same things that Southwestern does which is misguided and unfortunate. But as I said, it's a self-preservation tactic, right? Like if you truly believe that um, what you're doing is special, well, then everyone should join you in that special venture. And if they don't, well, what do you say? Well, they're also really cool and they're great people. Well, that's what you should say. But the self-preservation part of it comes in. It's like, well, if I admit that you can be awesome without this, why would you do this? Because what we do is very difficult. What we did, very difficult. Um, and I would never take it back. It, it definitely turned me into a different person that I, I'm very glad that I am. But there's a lot of people that chose not to take up that mantle and they shockingly turned into decent people regardless. Um, none of them became, as far as I'm concerned, all the people that I tried to recruit and didn't. None of them became serial killers. I don't think. Uh, I don't think any of them are hobos. I don't think any of them are uh, just radically horrible human beings. Right. But you kind Some of them are longhorns. That's okay. Well, they're, they're oh, there it is. There, there it is. is. <laughs> no, don't worry. All right. Two more minutes. You want you want to start your commercial now? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do a quick shout out. Get and then just give me a thumbs up when it's done. Yeah, get out <laughs> One sec. <laughs> this is awesome. We're just being flexible and totally uh, and totally just going with the flow with this. That's actually we lasted an hour and thirty seven minutes before a train came by, but this is the only thing we knew what would have been a problem. And you know what, guys? Listen, look, we we take what we do seriously, but at the same time, we're just having a conversation. And you're and you're just listening in, and I'm glad you are. But hopefully, it's cool that we give a quick shout out before it's we're due. Um, I wanted to give a quick shout out. Uh, our website is launched. Our merch is up. Guys, go get some uh, some gear. We have fanny packs. We have hoodies. We have uh, quarter zips. We have water bottles, baby gear, you name it. And it's up there on our sites. Go to the ponytailspodcast.com. But I wanted to give a shout out to Oscar and Oliver. They are the masterminds behind our website. And if you own a business and want to have an effective presence online, we know that at the podcast, you need a good website. Now, most US website developers cost anywhere between I don't know, 25, 50 grand to build your own company's website. And yeah, of course you can go build your 
on a website pretty cheap, but uh, for a bigger business, for something that's a little bit more developed, you need some pretty amazing integrations to go along with that. And that's really what the key is for them. And that's where they specialize. So um, it's important that you have a solid website. More importantly, it's important that your website funnels the right traffic to the right places that will improve your customer interactions and make things a lot easier for you, automate a lot of things for you. So if you want to be involved in that, if you want to learn how to get that website up and running, we actually paid a fraction of that price because they are in Estonia. Woohoo! Thank you, Eastern Europe. And so uh, we will put you in touch with them. Also, if you want to sell some websites, if you are into that, if you're in the tech world and you want to go into tech sales, that would be a very good company to go work for as well. Speaking of tech sales, uh, big shout out to Enlight Energy as well. Love Julio Hernandez, our oldest jockey, not by age, but by longevity. He was one of the first people that wanted to invest in us and what we were doing here. He believed in us. And so thank you so much, Julio Hernandez, for that. Um, they're doing the solar what Southwestern Real Estate did to real estate. So if you have a passion for the planet, a desire to earn good money, and I mean damn good money, probably financially the best opportunity we have uh, of our jockeys, um, and you want to work with someone like Nick or Julio or Alex Black, you guys got to join Enlight Energy. They are able to have you work from any state. Uh, a sale every other week with them is a six-figure income. So just, I guess it depends on how hard you want to work. Solar is just a wild, wild west right now. Anyway, they have the ability to work with people anywhere. And you, by the way, that's a sale that you're just doing. You're just replacing current bills that people are paying. You're not adding any uh, anything to people's you know expense you know nobody's paying extra they're just swapping bills so instead of an electric bill they just had a solar bill and that's good um hopefully the train is all good Stefan, give me a big old thumbs up above your head yeah okay cool i'm gonna bring him back up and are we good is it boom I'm oh, at it. that's gone i don't hear anything serenity it's gone it's gone you say so there's three inches on that for all my aggies out there um three that's up. <laughs> Um, ball five ball. there's the last bar right there um so yeah uh, the we were talking about we were talking about um when people leave so you know the the when it doesn't work out for them and how and how they have like this really negative and here's the thing look it's it, it i understand right i understand why you would be mad but here but you got recruited by a college kid to go sell books door to door and that college kid probably didn't know what the heck they were doing you know what i mean and then you got yeah. out there and you thought you were cool you get out there and you realize it's harder than you think and then you quit it's on you a little bit you know i get it's not the thing and they could have prepped you better but it's always funny to me when i read those blogs on online when they're like they didn't tell you how hard it was going to be first of all we had to go now for host families it's like <laughs> honestly they tell you that yeah we did everything like the yeah, thing at least with me everything yeah. that happened to me they told me it was going to happen it was just my cocky self thinking oh that's not that big of a deal but yeah. then when it's actually happening you're like <gasps> and that's where the shock comes in exactly right and it but that's on you for being cocky yeah. about it not on yeah. them they, they were like hey you're gonna have yeah. car problems yeah several, <laughs> and you're like not my car i have a new yeah. whatever and then you get out there and your tire blows out yeah <laughs> mom my car fuck yeah. off get your shit yeah. together you know sorry you, you, you well, two points to that. First off, I wanted to take a shout out to uh, Becca, now Samuels. Um, I listened to her yeah. podcast. So at GRS, the first year, she walks up to me and she's like, you beat me last year. I'm going to beat you this year. I was like, who are hey. I don't know who you are because like I said, I'm not here to make friends. And I mean that in all sincerity. Who are you? And then Larry Anderson also came up and was like, hey, I'm going to beat you this year. It's like, again, who are you? 
Um, and to be fair, not because just not just because I'm from Georgia, you could have been from any university in Texas outside of A&M. And I would have asked you, who the hell are you? I don't know who you are. And that's a, that's a me thing. Right. Like because I was that way. Um, I listened to her podcast and she I remember her telling me, you beat me last year. I'm going to beat you this year. Hands down. Becca smoked my ass. She did it in nine weeks with a stolen car. She came this close to me. So I will officially admit for the record, Becca, um, you smoked my ass. <laughs> and I did pretty good. But you you smoked me. Um, so that's important. But second, going back to the other one, it's like, yeah, that that point of like that will never happen to me. Um, I get, you know, I get it. It's like because everyone's bulletproof at that age, you know, um, it, it, nothing bad will ever happen. And uh and if it does, you have two options. You get to look in the mirror, which I, I'm trying to do a better job of personally, right? Which is why this is such a good time to talk about this. You have the two options. You can look in the mirror and say, hey, where could I have done a better job, right? Even if there are other factors involved and even if there are other people involved, where could I have done a better job? Could I have communicated better about my situation that could have put me into a better situation? Could I have done a better job? Could I have worked harder, whatever, Right. Um, or you can just blame the hell out of everybody else. Right. And so I think most people, cause you're still a fairly young guy. I think I would hope at least that most people get to mid thirties, mid forties, whatever. And be like, that was, I would hope that most of them can get to the point where they introspectively look at themselves and be like, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really try. I got kicked in the teeth the first time. And, and I say that just because, Again, my first two customers were zero down Mufus. And I'm I was I'm not lying when I said I was jacked up. I just knew I was crushing it, right? Whereas I think the vast majority of people would have got taken two zero down Mufus and been like, Life sucks, Southwestern sucks, the world is ending. I'm gonna go home. And and not, I'm not because I did a good job. I was just so being a part of the cult of AM and the cult of Southwestern, so easily brainwashable that I was like, dude, this is great. Make it so funny. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, so it is. It's just like, it's all perspective. And we know that. We all know that. But it's easier said than done. Um, you know, if you uh, if you want to find fault in it, you can. You could, I believe there's people that could go out there for two weeks and come home thankful, right? I recruited a couple of different people that sold four or 500 units for the summer. And, you know, one, two, five years later said, man, I'm so glad I did that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it sucked for them during the summer. And they would have told mm. you it sucked. And they would have told you how awful this was. But afterwards, like, man, I'm so glad I did that. That's so good for me. Right. So it's, I think that's the other hard part. The closer you are to a situation, the more zoomed in, the more microscopic you look, the harder it is to see the whole picture. And once you back out, see it from that 30,000 foot. I'm 40 years old. I got five, three kids. I've got a wife. Like, meh. That's hard, but I'm cool. Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Question for you. I, that was really good, by the way. Um, question for you. You said earlier. I think I think I caught this. You said it was it started about the money. So it was about the money. At what point was it in? I don't know if it was your first, second, third summer, whatever. But at what point did it stop being about money? The sixth summer. Interesting. What happened? Yeah. So summer number two, went to Clarksville, Tennessee, about 45 minutes from the, from the company. It went well. I went from like 26-ish to like 45-ish. Um, that summer, I worked with Dylan again and Amber, Thomas, right, right, you know, but Thomas, Beast. Taylor Mobley, Taylor Mobley, 
Um, I already mentioned Dylan, Keith Hoffmeister, Jenny New. There were several, like really J Joey Hopkins. From our our corner of the universe, some very, very talented people. Also, by the way, um, just let Amber know. I taught her everything she knows. Um, <laughs> well, John, I remember calling him as a part of like the alumni recommendations. I'll never forget calling John Thomas. I was like, hey, sorry, I'm going to dovetail way back to before second summer. That's um, fine. Hey, hey, John, this is Mitchell Steffen. I'm thinking about the first summer. I'm thinking about going to sell in the summer. His answer was like, don't do it. <laughs> like, what? I mean, like, do you have anything? And they do not do this. It is horrible. And my response was, great second approach. I'm going to give myself credit for this. I was like, this piece of paper says you made $35,000. Like, you don't have anything good to say about it? His answer, who is this? Like, Mitchell Steffen. I'm Scott Steffen, younger brother. He's like, oh, I thought you were Scott and you were screwing with me. Yeah, no, man, it's great. It's awesome. You'll, you'll love it. Um, so that was, that was my first ever um, yeah. Shout out to the Thomases. They were on the show in February. You guys are great. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but anyway, fast forward. Um, second summer went well. Um, third summer, Eastern Kentucky, not so well. Didn't like that place very much. Fourth summer, Iowa, um, still primarily about trying to make money and recruited a good team up there and uh, got put with Texas State that summer, which had a reputation for having eight-week summers. They were out there for 11 weeks, but they had eight-week summers. Um, and that that's four summers when I learned how to have fun. Um and then the fifth summer, I uh, went to coal country. Coal miners are awesome. West Virginia. West Virginia gets a bad rap. It's a beautiful place, wonderful place, wonderful people. Not nearly as bad as you would think. Uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, no one smokes inside in West Virginia, at least my, my county. You should sell there. Your clothes will smell pristine all summer long. Um, but, yeah, and then the sixth summer, I absolutely got my teeth kicked in the first two weeks. So, uh, I'm a six summer. I did 45, 41, 52, 45, 41, 48, 52. I thinking, all right, six summer, this is the summer to launch off my first week. I think I did 60 units. Um, Yikes. the next week I think I did 127 and a hundred of those came from Memorial day that first Monday. Right. So I did a hundred that, that second Monday of the summer. And then I did 20 units for the next five days. And I recruited my little brother, Brian, to go out there. So after a six summer book, man, two weeks in, my little brother is smoking my ass. And uh, that's not good. I don't know if you all know that, but it's not good. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> and I'm no joke. I was very much in a position of how do I, how do I fake an injury here? Like what is an injury? And I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I was genuinely in my car thinking, what is an injury that I can fake that is believable enough that would allow me to leave the book field? Because I can't quit, you know, and, and what, you know, as you alluded to, like it's books, right? You can't quit. Quitters are insert terrible adjective here. Right. Right. Um, or now or whatever. I don't I don't know my parts of speech. Quit, quit um, during the book field during the, like yeah, you're there. Like, just stick it out. It's we do, I'm like yeah. freaking done, man. This was a mistake. I don't know why I'm here. And uh, I don't want to be here anymore, but my little brother's out here. And I know in the back of my mind, I can't quit, but I'm genuinely thinking through logically, slowly, 
what is a good way to come up with an excuse that I can quit and my brother may or may not stay and maybe people will think less of me, but I don't care because I'm going to fade off into oblivion, which is a horrible way of thinking about your friends, right? Like we've talked about it earlier. It's like <laughs> you shouldn't think that, oh, my friends only like me because I do this with them, right? But whatever. Come back to that. Um, and thankfully, it didn't end up that way. And I'm glad. What I will say for my sixth summer, and I will, I will blatantly say this, is that it's not as prevalent as many first years would like to believe. It's also more prevalent than leadership would like to believe. There's a middle ground there, the radical middle, in which territory freaking matters, man. 100%. 100%. There are places that I've sold an absolute crap ton of books. Like I sold books in rural West Virginia. And I did 52, 5,300, and I did it in 10 weeks, right? So, like, average that out, another, you know, so 6,000 in the middle of BF nowhere. Then I did it again the next summer in southwestern Virginia, and I did 7,000 in nine weeks. I think it's very fair to say there's people that are very, very talented at books that I could have swapped places with that would have utterly fail, failed in the middle of F and nowhere. And I know that because Amber followed me that last summer. She's like, where the hell are you working? I don't understand any of this, right? Please let me go back to my neighborhoods. And when I followed Amber, I was like, please get me the hell out of here. As you can reference in the background here, like a neighborhood is the death of Mitchell Steffen. I never could have done well there. I'm not, I'm never because mental, not because I couldn't have done well. Every territory can succeed. But like for me personally, that was an absolute black card. You're just, it's not good for you. Good luck. Right. Yeah. Um, but this, and that's that's fair. I had already come to that conclusion that, hey, look, some people are better suited for certain places. Well, this one, because I remember talking to the OLs prior to me being there, and they're like, you know, that one, no one's ever sold any good books there. I can't remember what county it was. Eastern Tennessee, I've written it off from my mind. I don't remember who my roommates were. I don't remember where I lived. I don't remember what city I lived in. It has been blocked from my book memory. It was horrible. And... Uh, it was terrible, man. And so someone last summer sold a thousand units there. You can do it. They failed to understand because Southwestern at that time, maybe it's better now, that time was horrible at metrics and data was like, yeah, someone sold a thousand units there last summer and the summer before that and the summer before that and before that and before that to the point where I knocked on the door and they're like, you're the book guy, right? Yes. <laughs> right. I've never dealt with that before in my life. And I dealt with it for about two weeks and I was like at the verge of just, this is not going to work. Let me quit. No quitters. Quitters don't work here. Um, so I switched territory to big city, which some people would have loved. I hated it. I felt like I was dying on the vine. And so I called up Manny Gonzalez, who should also be in the podcast. If he hasn't, he was awesome. He sold for a long time, uh, Southwestern finance or investments or whatever now. And I was like, hey, man, are you sure there's one county in, in southwestern Virginia, Tazewell, Tazewell, West Virginia? Um, and I was like, are you sure no one sold here last year? Because one of my rookies was supposed to go, or not my rookie, my B contract the year before. There's another train. Um, a B contract the year before was supposed to go there. Laura Paget, also an awesome person. And um, Laura and Logan and several people were in southwestern Virginia that year, and no one got put there. Because someone destroyed it. They sold so many books. Like Donald Trump version. I sold so many books, no one will ever sell books here again. Right? Like just the books exude bombs. Here. Bombs. It's impossible to sell here. 
And I was so freaking desperate to get out of my situation. It's like, I don't care. They have coal. I like coal, right? Not as a, yeah, let's leave political energy sources out of it. Like I did West Virginia. I love coal miners. Let's go back to coal miners. And so I said, screw it. Sign me up. Let's roll. And I went out there, man. And in three days, in three days, I hit PC, right? Whereas up to that point, two and a half weeks, two and a half. And I, and I kept telling myself, Mitchell, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. You're doing what's right. Keep doing what's right. It'll turn out. Keep doing what's right. It'll turn out. Keep doing what's right. And it never turned out. And then in three days, well, at, at two and a half weeks in, I'm at 100 and, uh, 180 units. Two and a half weeks in flies. Um, there you go. Country life. Um Two and, cool. half, two and a half weeks in, I think I'm at, I think I'm at 180 and I hit PC in the next three days. Right. So it's like, I, I think territory matters. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I learned what I meant to say is like, I learned persistence, right? Because even if territory mattered, I wanted to go home, but I didn't. Right. And so I found a way, even if that meant switching areas, switching the whole summer up, it was like, I'm not going to go home. So let's figure this out. That's the train. You're about to get blown up. What would you like? To do? It's all good. I'll, I'll share my opinion while I mute you really quick on that. Perfect. Cause I do think that. this is important. Um, and I'll wait till it starts getting really loud, but okay. basically he, here's, here's what, here's what I've learned talking to so many people about this is cause this is also not a reason if someone's listening to this, in the middle of the book field, if someone's listening to this in the middle of the book field, this is not a time for you to be like, Oh, see, I told my OL that my territory matters and I only do good in country. No, that's not what that means. You're probably, you just got to learn how to work different territories. I personally, me always either enjoyed super rural country, middle to low income. Oh, bread and butter, bread and butter. So fun. Everybody's nice. You usually get a lot of sit downs and I did well with sit down. That, that's really, really good. On the other hand, big brick. Big bricks, nice. A lot less sit downs, but you can just be like, yeah, this is 1200 bucks and just drop it with so much confidence that you're like, it, it won't matter. I had a guy, I had a guy who I had to reclose like this because he was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's in my budget. And it, I, as I'm sitting on his like bear skin rug, like with like the head of the bear still, the grizzly bear, I'm sitting on that. He's got that big ass house and he goes, I don't know if I, I can afford this. And I look around. And I'm like, really? And he goes, oh, no, you're right. We'll just write. And he wrote the whole check for it. So those are my two favorites. Now, anything outside of that, man, I was so bad. If it was like country with big homes or like bigger middle, I couldn't do it. I didn't know how to do it. So territory matters if you don't know how to work it. It doesn't yeah. matter if you know how to work every kind of territory. But that's the yeah. thing. It's you're, you're not fit for every kind. You know, it's, exactly. it, doesn't, it doesn't quite work. Yeah. So. And adapting to it, right? Like. Where I live, if you can't tell by the background noise and by the background, not everybody loves it. The fly on the camera just a half second ago, like, no, not everybody loves it. Right. But for me, it is like my kingdom. This is where I want to be. Right. You put yeah. me personally inside of a neighborhood as I've lived before. And I, I just want to jump off a cliff. Right. And it doesn't mean it's bad or I'm, you know, I'm good. You're bad. You're bad. I'm good. None of that. It's just for me, it doesn't fit well. And that was one of the beautiful things about coal country is that so many of those people were, very cognizant of the fact that their industry is going broke. They know it's going to happen. Maybe not in the next decade, maybe not in the next two, but it's going to be gone. So my kids better learn something different. Mm -hmm. And I understand that because that's where I come from. A, a man who's like, look, 
I work hard. My, my, my mom and dad worked hard. My grandparents worked hard. I'm going to teach you how to work hard. But at the same time, I understand that what I do is not necessarily going to be the future of the economy. Right. right? Like he was understanding of that. So, and that, that was, I think for me, why I connected so well there is like, these are guys and gals that understood that our industry is going broke. It will not be here. The, the, the government pro or con, I don't really care your stance on this. The fact of the matter is the government doesn't want this to exist anymore. And so I talked right. to two different types of families, one of which was in the minority, which is oblivious to reality. And the other one, which was in the majority of like, I would love for my kid to be a coal miner like I was, but you know, like it's changing. They got it. Yeah. And that was, that was just so easy for me to relate to. Right. Where I saw Amy LaValle do very well, not Amy LaValle, um, uh, Valerie Wasweiler do very well there. Sam Smith do very well there. I don't know what their backgrounds were, but they did well there. Uh, I saw mm-hmm. Jessica Lackey do well in like the more big brick country. Um, I saw John do John Thomas do well in the country. And it's like there's there's ways for everybody to be successful. And that's true in life. Right. Like not everybody would love to do what I do for a career. I would not like to do what most of you do for a career. And that's all OK. But it's it's hard to kind of come to that realization where and this is not a knock on Southwestern. I believe it to be truly a self-preservation tactic. Once you give into one person's, your territory sucks. You have to give into everyone's. And I said this as a parent of multiple kids. We got four boys, four boys, ages five and under. Given to poor one wife. Kid, what's that? Your poor wife. Yeah, <laughs> she's a saint. You know, there's a uh, there's an old saying about that. You know, the more kids you have, the more saint that you become. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it's. We got four boys. You give one boy an inch, you gave all four of them. Now, yeah, granted, the youngest is only five months old. He doesn't quite get it. But the 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 third is only two. He freaking gets it. You know, you give one of them an inch, all of them want that inch. And by the way, they want four or five other feet, right? So I understand Southwestern's stance here, which is no territory is bad. Because if we admit one territory is bad, we've admitted anybody and everybody can have a bad one. Versus doing what I did with my manager, unnamed at the time, which was like, you should definitely get out of there. I said, okay. I got out of there. I did really well. My very best summer was done in eight, well, seven and a half weeks, essentially. Right, I had an 11-week summer, and two and a half of them were shot from the very start. So I had my very best summer. It was a 7,000-unit summer, and I did it in seven eight and a half. That's, I did not average more. That is a falsification. Um, I, I mean, take it back. I did 7,000 units like five weeks. It was great. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, I think it was eight, eight, eight and a half weeks. I did 7,000 units. And, uh, but I remember talking to my manager and that was a great summer, my best summer ever, simply from changing territories that was done on the down low quietly. And so that's what I'd say. If anybody is listening to this, by the way, while you're selling books, you have already made a mistake. All of your technology should. I understand you have iPads now, but any any resource to the outside world, holy hell! I don't know how to. I I couldn't have done it. You're stronger than me. Um, I couldn't have done it. I loved being unplugged. Um, but yeah, it was definitely like you. That should be taken care of on a one-on-one basis, down low, outside of the mainstream, where no one exactly knows what happened. The hard part for me after the fact was being able to say like, "All right, here, Mitchell, I need you to go say like." provide motivation for others. You went from 60 to 120 to 650. 
to 850 to just like averaging chairmans for the rest of the summer. Go give motivation. How do I give motivation to people? Like, do I just say, hey, everyone here, change your territory. It's going to be great for yeah, you. Just give work. up on where you started. <laughs> completely change it. Your summer is going to be great. And that was that was very difficult um, internally to wrestle with. So I tried to balance as much as I could. But there is a territory matters in a minority of situations. But in those minority of situations, I believe sometimes it can be quite severe. And I uh, I feel like I'm a case study for that. But yeah, uh, no, and and. Yeah, and, and in the same way, like it's the other side of the same sword. We had Darta Saulita on here. She was a European girl. She was like the number one dealer, so like 13,000 units, and she sold all 13,000 of only kids' books because she sold in Amish territory exclusively. Boom. So she figured out how to do it, but it was not the Southwestern way. It was exclusively referrals. Yeah. So she wasn't even – she was working the hours and I think the demos, but it was literally like she, she would sit down after her house and be like, okay, where do I go now? It wasn't go to the next house, like how they train yeah. you. It was like, who do I go to now? And then they'd be like, this person. And you'd be like, all right, cool. And she would go there. So again, it, it territory doesn't matter if you know how to work it. The thing with her is she found how to work it. You know what I mean? I couldn't have done that. She what, she learned, what she learned was business. Profitability. Yes. Right? Like profitability yes. is important. And profitability doesn't look the same way to everybody. That's one of the fun things that I do with my commercial clients. I can have... I have probably a dozen electricians and every single one of them does it a different way. And every single one of them is ultimately profitable because if they weren't, they'd stop doing it. Right. And that mean mean commercial industrial, um, you know, like I have some people that do every single chicken processing plant around here and they're the only ones. Anybody else who try to do chicken processing plants would fall flat on their face. They couldn't afford the insurance for it and they'd fail. That doesn't mean he's bad or they're bad. It just means you're better suited to go do yeah. neighborhood electrical work, right? And that's good for you. And that's what's so hard. And and the older you get and the more business owners, the more successful people you meet, you realize like, you know, everyone dances to the beat of their own drum. And this is very difficult for a radically closed-minded, introverted person who doesn't want to meet new people. It's like, damn it, you kind of got a point. There's a, there's a different way to do this for everybody. And that doesn't mean a truly, I don't buy into the truly relativistic, anything goes, there is no truth nonsense. But in terms of like, as long as we all abide by the same laws of nature and the same laws of business and the same laws of, of reality, right? Like if I climb up on the roof and Andres, you climb up with me and we both jump, how's that going to go for both of us? Right? Like right. not so great, right? But if both of us pick a county and we could both go sell, that could turn out differently, right? Like it's different yeah. laws. Laws of business are different than the laws of nature, which is different of the laws of morality or the laws of whatever you want to call whatever you want to come up with. It's just there are certain things that are hard and fast, true no matter what you do. And one of those truths is not anybody can sell a, sh a truckload of books in any territory <laughs> at any time at any given point in the, the history of the world, right? Like yeah. we like to think in that concrete way, but it doesn't work out. Yeah. Now there are the random freaks of nature who totally could, like your Chris Salatas, right? Or your LeBron Amber Thomas's. James, right? LeBron like James could go and dunk on anybody at any point in time, right? I actually, because I've known a striking amount of people who've had surgeries go really poorly, 
right? It re- I, yeah. I know enough people that'll make you think twice about having surgery. And it reminds me like all doctors are doctors, which means that you have a base level of intelligence and a base level of, of skill, right? But, you know, like there's a bunch of people in the NBA that have a base level of skill. I don't know their names. I'll never know their names. And there's, and there's like, like, how, how yeah, do I get up the screen here? Like there, there's LeBron James, right? Like, and Michael Jordan and all the other Kobe Bryant. So, yeah. and same with the NFL, right? Like you've got receivers and then you've got like freaking Randy, Randy Moss and Jerry Rice. Why wouldn't that apply to every other industry? Books included, medicine included. Um, yeah. You know, whatever. Ooh. Right. Like, Hey, it's true. Like now lawyers, whatever else, like pick an industry, Every industry has a LeBron James. And I can say that I've seen enough And my wife who had all of her surgeries through her accident. We've seen enough that we know, like, I don't know who LeBron James of lower spinal surgery fusions are, but we're going to go see that guy. We're not just going to pick one out of the phone book, you know, we're not going to Yeah. <laughs> Working out. And, and this is, I don't know. I don't know. Shane, I think you said his name. I don't know these guys, but there really are like, there's, there's let's remove any ponytails. You, you can fill in the, the, the advertisements later, but like there's Arnold and there's like that random fit guy you see on the street, right? Like both of them worked out hard. Arnold had a different level of motivation. And by the way, he probably had some genetics that, that boosted what he was doing, but let's say Arnold fit guy. Right. Then Rando who just kind of goes to the gym every now and then, and he's not unhealthy and his doctor would tell him his blood pressure is good and his heart rate's great. And he really is. He'll probably live till he's 95, but he's not going to look like, like Arnold. Yeah. Oh, okay. he's definitely not going to look like Arnold, but he probably won't even listen. look like ponytails guy. He'll just, he'll be a good, he's, he's healthy. He's not 575 pounds. He's not about to die from a heart attack. He's healthy. He's just not this guy. And he's damn sure not this guy. Right. So right. same going back to books. We're not that guy. I'm not that guy. That's for sure. I'm not that person either. Now, honestly, like I wish I was a LeBron James of something, but I'm not. It really isn't. Yeah. And that's okay. And it that's oh man. This is a can of worms that I, I I'm gonna open this can of worms. You let me know how much you want to go cool. into this before we go into ponytails. But I was having this conversation with a person that was visiting my home. And listen, I'm I live in Oregon. I live in Portland. Yeah. Okay. Super now here. I grew up in Nebraska, and in Nebraska, I'd be considered liberal. Yeah. But in Oregon and Portland, I'm considered like kind of more conservative. So, like, so oh, really what that probably makes yeah. me is like, I'm probably right in the middle. Yeah. But man, this person was, we were talking and, you know, I was just having this come and I don't, I'm not saying that they were wrong and I'm right. Cause I really don't know. This is just an opinion. But in my opinion, when people start talking about like, I think everybody should have like the universal basic income was that was the, that we were talking about. There's a difference between like, like what Andrew Yang wants to do with, it's like a thousand dollars a month for everybody. And like, everybody has income for their job and everybody gets paid for the same job. I'm like, that could never work. That could never work because even if you did that, it's going to be unfair to the person that does it best. Yeah. And so there are, the argument was, well, it doesn't matter. Cause like if everybody's doing it, then, and again, this is not to get political, but my, the, the, the non-political part of this is what you're saying. Like at some point, even at the basic level, if you go to the NBA, there's a guy that's, that's in the NBA who is the bench warmer for the worst team. So yeah. this is literally would be the worst person in the NBA, right? The As in like they're yeah. the bench warmer for the worst team. And that person plays better basketball than 99.999% of human beings because yep. they're in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Right now. So they're better than all of us, but it yeah. makes sense why LeBron makes more money than that person because yeah. he's that much better. 
Yeah. Which is really just tells you the greatness of how these people operate. Your Messi's, yeah. your Tiger Woods, your Kobe Bryant's, your, they're just so good at what they do. And that is in books. Like your Matt Atchison's. Matt Atchison could sell fucking ice to an ice to an Eskimo. Like that's the cliche, but legit. He like yeah. he could have yeah. sold books anywhere, anytime for any reason and just crushed it anywhere. Right. Ah, and some people aren't that way. And it, it it's unfair to think that that is. And it's unrealistic to think that you're that person. It's egotistical, yeah. really. No, but it's true. It's like, you know, a, a baseball is one of the best sports, I think, because it's round bat, round ball. The dudes that get into that get drafted in the first or second round to go to single A ball are getting drafted at million dollar signing bonuses, right? Like, yeah. And they may never made. I actually know a guy, I worked with a guy who played pro ball for a year for the Cincinnati Reds. And he would flat out tell you, like, I'm not good enough. I actually made it to the pros and I'm not good enough. Right. Yeah. He, and because we all, this happens in a lot in rural Texas, and I'm sure all over the country is like, we all want to go put our kids in summer ball this and summer ball that. And I am vehemently against it because unless my kid can hit 95 on the gun, there's no point. There's no point. And that's genetic. I don't care how much you work out your arm. If you work out your it arm work. 95, you've blown out your labrum and your, you know, your, your rotator cuff. It's all shot. You know, like there's a genetic component to these dudes and then they work hard and then they work hard. So what do you take that genetic component and then work hard with it? Well, like you said, there's an incentive to work hard. We all love to think of our professional athletes as like, oh, just they just love the game. Yes, they do. But it hurts, man. It freaking hurts. Tom Brady hurts every day he wakes up. And I'm not a Tom Brady fan. As far as I'm concerned, if he never played a snap in the NFL, I'd have been a happier NFL fan. Um, Why do you hate greatness? I don't like it. But (laughs) at the end of the day, that dude's 42. I'm 34. If I sleep wrong, I freaking hurt the next day. This dude is getting pancaked. You know, the refs help him out some, but he still gets smacked. He, I mean, he, there's at least once or twice a game, 17 times a year, that he, 34 times a year, he gets flat out put on his butt as a 40 some odd year old man. That feels awful. Yeah. He wakes up and does it. Now, I could do that, Andres, real quick. I could do that as a 42 year old man. And I'd probably throw the ball 25 yards, right? <laughs> that, that 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 doesn't relate very well to, to must-see TV, right? So there is that – if there there's the component of, yes, I'll play the game for the love of it, but and, or I'll go do my job for the love of it. But at the same time, like, you know, and I don't you – know, there are times where I get cussed out for somebody, by somebody for something that I didn't do, right? The, the task was delegated. It wasn't on my desk. It didn't go well, but I'm the face of the organization. So I will get yelled at and I take it now, cut my salary in half. I'm not going to take it. You know, like there's, there is that point where if I can go sit on my butt and this is very, again, you, I don't mean to make it political. You don't mean to make it, but this is very, very interesting that, that I've talked to a lot of my business owners about, about the Delta of unemployment, right? Like I was making $30,000 a year. I get 60% of that. That's $18,000, right? I want to go get back in the workforce. Well, you're not paying me $30,000 to go back to work. You're paying me $12,000 to go back to work. And I'm not going to go back to work for $12,000. Why would I? Would you work for $12,000? No one would. We're talking minimum wage, but you can scale that up. And there becomes a point where if I'm making 60% of what I'm making, you kind of got to get into the six figures before that delta is big enough for me to get off my butt and go work 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week, right? And that's right. not a you know, it's not a political statement. It's a, state, a statement of the natural law of the way things work. 
people have a fallen human nature and as kind and as caring and as giving as we want to be in the back of our mind, we will always think, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to do this for that? As much as we talk about the first six things on that list and we can joke about how I was all in it for the money because I was, um, and that grew, that changed as we talked about, but those first six things. And by the way, you can make 1500 bucks. How well would we recruit to Southwestern? Not well. Yeah. It's got to be money. You work 80 hours a week and you can gain all six of these things and we'll pay you $1,500. You would have a grand, like the, the, the best recruiter would have three, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. that that's human nature. It's a fallen human nature. We will think about ourselves and we should do the very best that we can to think outside of ourselves. But there's a cost benefit analysis that all of us do in our brains. And no, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, the UBI, like you said, if it's the, if UBI is the difference between being destitute like meaning I can't feed myself being poor, fine, UBI. If the if the UBI is the difference between I can only go out to eat three times a week and I can go out to eat seven, screw your UBI, right? Like get up and go work. And, and like I said, not political, but it is. There's, there is a threshold. And I think yeah. that's very relative to what people are doing on this podcast because as employers, you have to understand what that threshold is. And I think millennials and Gen Z are changing that where – we are not going to go work for pennies and we're not necessarily going to settle. We should probably, and I'll say this, you know, self-reflectively, we should probably do a little bit better job of settling versus just seeking perfection at all turns. But uh, at the end of the day, we're not going to totally settle. We're not just going to take it. We're not just going to sit here and punch in for 35 years. Never once, self, never once guessing, second guessing what our salary is or what our hours are or how much mm-hmm. we need in the company. It's going to be like, there's the balance, the radical middle. So I don't remember who the hell said it, but I loved it. And, and they, they were being political about it. But even non-political, just shooting for the radical middle of, you know, there is definitely right. Like I said, we can both climb up in this roof and jump off and we can be 100% right 100% of the time that we'll both jump off and break our legs or at least not feel good. We can, we can be 100% right at all times. And if I jump and try to reach the moon, we will fail. There are hardcore truths that you will never get past. But outside of that, when we get into, you know, what's the very best way to do something, there's typically two sides to every coin. Yeah. And it's usually the gray area. It, yeah. It, really what happens. And that's, and I think on that, what you, what you're saying on that is like, I'll, it, you do have to think of yourself that you have yeah. to, because right at the hierarchy of needs, I get it. If I have shelter, if I have food, then yeah. I can start thinking of others. But until uh, I have that, for me and my family, for example, then it's kind of hard to think, right? It's it, And you could put that argument anywhere. But at the same time, you also got to think, listen, it's just because you're thinking of yourself, you also have to give and understand the reality of life is you're not going to get everything you want. And that's really, I think we're like, if you want to do ta- make this politically or otherwise, whether it's in Southwestern or politics, here's what, here's what happens. Look, you're probably going to get some of what you want. And then the other person that wants the opposite of you is probably going to get what some of what they want. It's unrealistic yeah. to think that you're going to get everything you want, regardless yeah. of where respect, you know, whether it's Southwestern or whatever you're talking about. And so yeah. people forget that people forget yeah. that. And it's like, dude, who the frick do you think you are that you're, you're entitled to everything you want? No, yeah. you might have this and that, but on the other hand, they also should get some of what they want because yeah. they're them and they're not. That's you. marriage, man. That's marriage. Yes. Just like, yes. If I oh, yes. Marriage thinking I'm going to get whatever the hell I want out of this, then I should never be married. 
And if oh, my no. wife is in the marriage thinking she's going to get whatever the hell she wants out of it, she should never. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. If you think you're going to get whatever you want out of a marriage, you should not do it. And I say this as a man who's been married for a while, love my wife to death, four kids in, in a very small amount of time. I would encourage every single human being that's listening to this, get married, have kids, have a blast, do it quick, do it fast. But if you think marriage means that you get whatever the hell you want out of it, if you think having kids, like your kids are your playthings, your kids are your accessories, your kids are yours. They are yours, right? Like you have the, the absolute right to teach them whatever you want to. But one of the things that's helped me more as a father than anything else was one of the things that I vaguely and did not do a good job of learning in Southwestern, which is you're not my rookie. You are Blair Parker. You're not my rookie. You are Ben Ramos. You are Logan Moore. You are Laura Padgett. You are, you're, you are my rookie, but you're not my rookie, right? And so there's a balance there, too, between authoritarianism and permission, where a parent hopefully comes to find authoritative, right? Like authoritative professional – that's not the right word here, but like the, the, uh, the authoritative resource, uh, resource. I know what's best for you, and therefore I will give it to you in love, right? And, and I think that is so incredibly important what we've lost over the past 50, 60 years during the minimal amount of research, research I've done where we've moved into permissive versus authoritarian instead of like you and I will, I will say one of the names of my kids, right? Like oh, I have four boys. They're all bees. I got the killer bees, by the way, for all of you. Hmm. I have. So we have I'll say all four of them. Bradley, Bowen, Bennett, Brandon, four boys, four bees. And uh and, and, and let's just use Riley because he's the oldest and the most rational of all of them. He's five, so he's not very rational. But it's like the more I look at Bradley as my son, the more problems we have. The more I look at Bradley as Bradley, as somebody who needs to learn and grow and become an, become somebody who can fit into society and be productive and have a happy life. And being having a happy life, as I've learned between 18 and 34, means Fitting in and having friends and doing all these other kind of things. You don't get everything you want. If you have everything you want in life, it means you have no friends. Yeah. Right? If you have everything you want in life, if you always get your way, you have no friends because no one wants to be around you. Right. So and then same with Bowen and same with Bennett. Brandon's five months old. He doesn't really count in terms of teaching yet. He definitely counts as a person. But um, it's like the, the teaching of like – and the more I think of Bradley as my kid, you're going to be my kid. You're going to be the kid I want you to be. And unless I, the more I go into you're Bradley and I want Bradley to succeed and I want Bradley to be a happy, healthy, whole, holistic human being, the more successful I am as a father and the more successful my wife is as a mother. Right. So that that's, you know, that's kind of the whole shift in mentality of employership and, and Southwestern. And I did a horrible job as a recruiter, by the way, as a trainer. I did okay as a recruiter, as a trainer. You were my rookie. And Laura, Logan, Ben, Jessica, Blair, um, I can, I can, like Chris, Norman, Ray, all of you guys, David, Mark, Marcus, I can list all of you out from start to finish. I did not do a very good job as a trainer, you know, and, and that's because I looked at you as my rookie, not as my, not as, as Laura. Right. Like, I mean, you you have your own way through this book thing and it's not my way. And that's OK. You're still wrong because I'm always right. But that's OK that you're wrong. You know, that, that kind of thing. Like it, it's difficult, but it's very, very important. And I think that there's a slight shift. And that's the hard part, like we said, in the middle, because we are in a society right now that that swings to the extreme. If you're not way over here, you're not way over there. And, and because of the extremes, we we tend to resort to relativism, which is like your truth, my truth. It's all OK. 
that's not right. The extremes aren't right. So what is right? And it requires a lot of time and energy and dedication to think it through. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's tough, but the more we think about the individual, the better off we're going to be. Right. I just, well, I say that, you know, sometimes it's difficult, right? Cause too individualistic is bad too, right? There is a, a yeah. radical middle there. And I believe through, and, and you can all call me wrong or whatever, but I believe through all of my time and energy and effort that I put into it, there is a right way to do it. And it's hard to find. And it's okay if you don't find it, as long as you're searching for it, right? Like there's a yeah. right way to do things. And, uh, and that has to come down to the person as an individual, not just you're either a good book person or a bad book person. And that makes you in the cult of Southwestern and the cult of A&M, you're a good Aggie or a bad Aggie. And if you don't wear this Aggie ring, you're a piece of crap. You can get out. I can say that. I feel that way oftentimes. Um, <laughs> but it is it's like, if you didn't do good at books then you just suck at books, right? Like, um, and you're now you're a bad person rather than just 10, 15, 20 years later, you can be like, Hey man, yeah, you had a bad summer. I really don't care. You want to hang out and have a beer? But it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. Right. Well, so I had, I was off schedule. It doesn't make me a bad human. No, no, you were a bad human and you should recognize that. I'm going to build, I'm going to send you a poster that tells you how bad you are and you can hang that up in your background. Yeah. You, you suck. You suck. You suck. No, but it is, it's, it's like, and I, I get that, you know, there's, you know, I, I'd never dealt with the off schedule-ness, but one of the things that I learned best, I, I won't know what everyone's somewhat off schedule, right? But I never dealt with the severe off schedule-ness that sixth summer deeply helped me understand i get why because i desperately want out of this situation i want to go home so bad i want to i just want to wreck my car drive it off the mountain call it a day yeah, i get it and it took me a long time to get it and i do and i feel much closer to any and every person early champion than i ever did prior to that summer so i'm glad i did that sixth one Ooh. That was all awesome, by the way. Where I think we're going to use that clip about parenting to 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 as our Pony Express short. There you go. Because that was gold, man. I took notes. I'm like, oh, this there you go. It's right around the corner, right? Nine yes, months. Sir, uh, nah, get after it. Don't wait. You're only getting older. I can say from experience, you're going to be way more tired well, later on. My wife, my wife is 35, so it's got to be sooner than later. But um, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know if y'all have been tracking. Just, just go for it. We're I doing guarantee- we're doing dogs first. We're doing dogs first. We got two puppies, and that's that we've learned a lot. But yeah. it's not the same, but it's in some ways it's similar. And it's like, wow, Jesus. Um I'll pray it's, for it's hard. I know you don't yeah. pray for against them, but I'll pray for multiples. Just if it was up, up to me, if, if it was up to me, here's how it I mean, it's never up to me, right? Lord's yeah. got a different plan or his own plan. So hopefully, hopefully this is what the plan is, is yeah. we wait a couple of years because I want to travel and kind of do some of that stuff with my wife first, show her Columbia without kids because yeah. that's important to me. Uh, but eventually, ideally, I heard after 36, the odds of having twins goes up by like a third, like 32%. Yeah. So ideally, we just go twins, twins. Is that rolling in her family? Uh, it rolls in mine. Yeah, the rules. Okay. Gotta be the ladies' family. But you're right. Yeah. After 36, it gets better. I will say this: traveling Colombia, and granted, we we have no idea what the political landscape is going to be. But traveling Colombia, how old are you? She's 35. You're what? I'm. Tw- I'll be 30 this year. I'll be tw- uh, 30 in the fall. Dude, marrying older ladies is the best. There's so much 
it's better. My wife's over me too. Um, it's great. And I would say more experienced lady, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, whatever. My wife, she doesn't care. She gets it. Um, but yes, she's, 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 uh, she's very wise. Right. Uh, and she, she, my wife got me by two years, but um, still it's like, think about this. I will counterpoint your, your point of traveling Columbia. How much more fun granted our, our countries and governments are still talking to each other in 20 years. How much more fun will it be when you're 55 with stacks in the bank to go, travel Columbia, right? Knock the kids out now, get that shit out of the way, and then put money away and then go travel Columbia the right way. We traveled to Italy when my wife was pregnant. I, we didn't travel. We were there for five days. That's unfair to say we traveled. We went for five days. We had a lot of fun. I wouldn't change it, but it would have been really awesome to do that with a lot more money than we had. <laughs> so I would just True. Uh, that that's my counterpoint. I could be wrong. But the nice thing, but the nice thing about going to it, it, the way, counterpoint of your counterpoint is you went to Italy where they have in euros. If you go to Colombia, you don't have to have a lot of money because everything's Fair like enough. a third of the price. So a beer is like five cents or whatever. You know, like I'm um, exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I'm going to Colombia with you. Hell yeah! You're I, welcome you, you anytime, kinda, yeah. man. I want to say about we got four kids. Probably not going to go so well. I'll go with you. My wife might stay home. With you. Uh, well, you can you can live it through my book. You can live there it through the six years. I actually I do describe it. It sounds like experience. I mean I can't imagine going from freaking Columbia to the corn belt. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> hey, here's a place with vibrant life. Now go to Nebraska. And I say this as somebody who's never been in Nebraska. I sold a summer in Iowa. I loved Iowa. I love those people. Not a not a lot going on. No, not a lot going not on. Much. Which not fit me perfectly. It was great. But <laughs> Oh man. All right, brother. Well, hey, I think it's time for ponytails. I yeah. think it's time for ponytails. This is a good oh, this has been yeah. so good. I, I, you, I mean, was this what you wanted? It was, it was his, yeah. I hope it didn't let you down. Man. He was pretty excited about this. Hoping and, I hope yeah. and this. dude, this has been awesome. It's been awesome. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm excited about this. Uh again, for people that don't know, ponytails is but we have our guests specifically save one, two, three, four, five, as many stories as they want of their best things that they learned or funniest stories or craziest things or whatever. So this is like out of the experience that Mitchell had over his six summers. This is where either like I mean, we've had we've had it all. People went to jail, they came back and still hit Sizzler. We had impactful memories about leadership lessons. We've had uh People doing all sorts of different crazy stuff at Sizzler. I don't know what's going to come out of Mitchell's mouth, but I'm excited about it. And I don't know how I don't even know how many stories he got prepped. But the mic is yours, my friend. My friend, uh, to you know, ponytails galore, all you. I have two. The first one is an anti-ponytail. And that was as Good. an adult. This happened last July. So we moved up to Bremont, Texas, as I told you, population 929. Uh, sold our house in Houston and moved up here in or in time for our boys to start school. Um, believe it or not, this may come as a shock to you, but the uh, the rental market in in a town of 929 people is not not real great. Um, I got another train coming, man. Um, do you want to do a? Should I go inside? Do you want me to take you inside, or do you want to do an advert? I'll take actually, you I. Um, I do have one more ad to do and an announcement. A couple of announcements. Right. Let yeah, me finish I'll do this those one. Let me finish this one. The train will come. Um, okay. people on, on whatever podcast after using it, probably like what the frick is going on anyway. All right. So we moved here in July, uh, June, June of last year. And, um, I said, rental market's not great. Um, so we, we abandoned this town of 929 and we go down the road to the bigger town of 1400. And, uh, we found a rental house there and it is a single wide trailer 
1200 whole square feet and it has just been placed on this piece of property and uh, i i again i i understand that um i've sold books long enough i sold books long enough to understand you know the preconceived notions of certain demographics so this single wide trailer with half of its lawn as dirt like it was just dirt just straight sand the other half of it was kind of grass but it's really just weeds and we moved from a house to a 1200 square foot single wide trailer so you'd put half of it in storage still in storage a year later we we're supposed to be in our house by january and i'm sitting on the porch instead um but uh yeah so it's it didn't fit shockingly so we had stuff everywhere and um dang it the train's gonna be here any second um anyway so anti-pony sales we have a book guy come to the house. I've been planning on how to mess oh. with this. Yeah. I've been planning on how to mess with this first book guy for so long. And he meets my wife at like noon and I'm not home and I'm so pissed. She's like, a book guy came here. He's going to be back here tonight. And I'm like, I wanted to like call the cops on him, pull a gun on him, like take his book bag, just do something radical. Didn't get to do any of it. So anyway, a guy comes back. He's like, how long did you sell? I'm like, six summers. He's like, oh, that's so cool. He's a beat contract. I'm really speeding this thing up for a second point story. Oh, that's so cool. Whatever. And I cannot help during the entire presentation that he gave me, it's like, I'm, I'm living in a single wide trailer without a front yard. My, my, I don't even have a porch on this thing. And I was, couldn't help but thinking like your second summer, right? He's like, yeah, it's like four more summers, buddy, four more summers. You can have all of this right here. This is all. <laughs> That's the anti-party story. I'll tell the real one after this. Do you one more advert? I'll talk to you. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, the, six summers gets you a, a single wide trailer with half a yard y'all that's it but if you want to avoid that uh or at least, i mean obviously we know he that uh, mitchell built his own house but if you want to avoid that one way you can do it is by cardinal now when we started advertising with cardinal two months ago uh we had they had 27 former book people and now they're currently at 31 and a bunch of more people that are on the pipeline started over the next month or two they're gonna uh they're gonna be on the podcast you guys can hear more details about what it's like working there but uh one of the main reasons that those alumni came on board with carnival was because both the culture and the selling system that they set up there so they just did a really good amazing job at creating good cultural aspects of like the southwestern lifestyle um camaraderie hands-on training fun you know removing all the parts like cold calling um no 80 hours a week of work and actual flexibility and all that stuff so on top of that you can really make a good living um you know, and not have to sacrifice your personal life or your family life. And so if those numbers bear out every single week, the top performers are grossing about twelve to fifteen thousand dollars of revenue. And they have done about that, they've done that averaging about thirty one to thirty four hours a week. So that's gross profit, fifteen K of gross profit on average for thirty four hours. That's not bad. So they're in growth mode. And they're looking to double in 2022 as they have since they first started. So if you want to find out why so many book people are working there, go ahead and refer yourself or a friend. Click on the link below. Uh, we can't promise you a job, but we can get you an interview. And they do have a $500 referral bonus for anyone that they hire. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, one last thing, guys, and I want to make sure I mention this. Uh, we do have some pretty awesome guests in the month of July and August. Roger Smith. Woo! That's an exciting one uh, to look forward to. And uh, Marcel Mayer is actually going to be on the show as well. We're still trying to book down a time where we can get him on the show. He's a busy, busy guy, as you can imagine. And of course, we have Dustin Hillis, who will be on our show uh, probably sometime in September. Uh, the recording is set for August, so we're excited about that. 
uh, and just kind of to have a one-on-one conversation, more ponytail style about all sorts of things happening currently there and after. Uh, we are looking forward to talking to him about all sorts of different things. Um, so look forward to that. It's exciting to share that conversation with him. So anyway, back to Mitchell and the last ponytail. Thank you for hanging on this far. You guys are awesome. If you guys like, if this is your episode, first episode and you're like, this is awesome. Where do I find more? Literally hit subscribe right down here. Hit subscribe below this little on air button on YouTube. Or if you're an Apple podcast and Spotify and you're listening on to there, uh, make sure you guys hit the follow download button or the little plus sign on your thing. And it'll actually show you and take you to all our other, um, shows that we have on there. You can listen to it while you're at the gym. Uh, just support us in that way. Of course, go check out our website, theponytailspodcast.com. All of our episodes are living there as well. And the links to how to find them on the different platforms. So thank you guys for listening. And here we go back to Mitchell um, and the last pony story, a ponytail of the day. Ooh, that's my mom. Tell her I said hello. I it is. I, I think this is the guy that is supposed to come out and fertilize our trees. Um, <laughs> we got a couple that aren't doing so well. The drought was, or the freeze a couple years ago was rough. I don't know if y'all heard about the Texas freeze. Yeah. yeah. It was, it, we're in central Texas. It was zero degrees for like four days. That doesn't happen. Oh, are you guys going to be okay? Yankees up there in Nebraska. No, I'm not going to be okay. My are trees are okay. Okay. My trees aren't, you know? So, you know, you're Andres, just, you know, I'm not okay with you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. No. No. <laughs> Listen, I went from the equator, perfect climate, no seasons, to yeah, Nebraska. I well, I don't have cashew trees around here. I have normal trees. And well, just listen, like, you can go get a cattle to poop on them, and they'll grow so fast. No, it's cool. Get some and I have cows, and they poop, and by so fast. Look, all right, you started this, not me. This is not a part of the pony scale. You plant an oak tree this big around. By the time I die, it'll be this big around, all right? I have oak trees out here that are this big around. Can't replicate that, man. Can't replicate it. So no, it it it's a uh, you 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 touched a nerve, bud. And it's uh, a circle of delete, life. Because of that, I hope you delete all of this. I hate you and everyone you come from, <laughs> and uh, I hope all of your ventures fail. Uh, yeah, it was a sort of radical negative. Negative. Neg this is you just being you, baby. This is negative. Yes. Negative. If self I could ensure, if I could ensure hundred-year-old oak trees, I'd freaking do it, man. It hurt. It hurt deep. Um, but anyway, uh, yes. So I just want everybody to, uh, I know they're going to cut short my anti-pony story. Just imagine being either a, a rookie or a B contract and meeting a six summer book man that lived in a single wide trailer with shit literally everywhere. Nothing. I mean, boxes, the whole thing. It was great. I felt bad. His name was Dante. I think he was from California. Um, and, and naturally, I didn't buy anything from him. I'm told him to get the hell off my property and never come back ever again. That's that's what you should do. Um, but you know, I, I bought a few things from him, but it was just like I cannot imagine of all the of the sales school, like you're gonna meet you're gonna meet so many really cool, super successful like alumni and and then and then that. I just I hope he had fun with it. I hope they made fun of me at a Sunday meeting. Um right. speaking of making fun of people at a Sunday meeting, you need to have Shane Weathers. Mike Winans and Nate Foss on. That is this, that's the Texas State trifecta. Um, you know, if you can count working eight weeks of summer as the summer, they're the guys for you. Um, but uh, they were absolutely, Texas State was absolutely the funniest, most comedic, most lighthearted group that has ever sold books and ever in the existence of all time. You should have them on. Shane Weathers, Mike Winans, Nate Foss. That was a, uh, 
that was a fun summer. But Shane Weathers and Nate Foss have been recommended multiple times, so I'll have yeah. to go well, find. Well, sneak Mike in there because Mike is Mike doesn't get recognized enough because he wasn't as funny as them, and the reason why he w- probably wasn't as funny as them is because he worked harder than them. See, Nate, I, I believe I believe Mike was misplaced at Texas State. He should have come to A and M because had he been at A and M, he would have been a multi ten thousand unit producer, you know. But his influences, Shane and, and Shane and Nate, they got to him. And uh, he never really reached his true potential. And uh, I feel bad for him for that. And, I mean, not really. It's his fault. He chose Texas State. He should have been better. But, um, yeah. you know, no, really. That, it is those, what it is. <laughs> I, I'm going to give, again, right before the ponytail, real quick, we, in Iowa, summer, week four, we, uh, we had multiple early champions. And after week four, we never had another one ever again. And it started with Nate Foss getting on the microphone and saying, guys, we had a, we had a, a B contract go home early. He said, guys, you know, insert, you know, insert student manager name here. He's been working really hard since he went home. He said he was going to go home and work. It was a personal issue. He didn't quit. It was a personal issue. He went home and he's working hard. And he knocked on the door of Rick Perry, governor of Texas, multi-summer bookman and rick perry has bought a set of books from insert student manager names here well actually he bought a set of books for every isd in the state of texas insert manager's name here has sold two hundred and fifty thousand units set the record greatest of all time we're all going to do recognition and we all did recognition for a man who was not in our organization that day and everyone kind of understood right then and there oh i don't want to go home because <laughs> I might be the next one. Now, that wasn't the intent. That was not the intent. Like, if you've ever met Nate, he's like the most loving individual ever. He just wanted to have fun. No one quit. No one quit after that. And there were several other iterations of that afterwards, you know, of other people. But um, it was was out of pure grade A fun. Like, as soon as he got home, Nate would have given that guy a hug. There was no malice to it. It was just funny. But, yes, so anybody out there listening to this podcast – Wanting to understand how do I make sure that rookies don't go home, brutally make fun of everybody who has already left. No one will leave again. So that is official, <laughs> unofficial. <laughs> um, so story. Now, uh, my main that was my, I did anti pony story. My main pony story actually comes from Great American Opportunities. I believe that I will be the only person on this podcast to ever give you a pony story from Great American Opportunities slash, slash Southwestern Fundraising. Uh, first career after college. Go out to Baytown, Texas, not the favorite place in the world. Um, Easter, east of Houston, it just, you can just forget all that. But I had a good year. I was rookie of the year. And I did not want to live there anymore. So I switched territories to northwestern Houston. And I had to start all over. Now, it's a different sort of start over. It's not like start at zero or start with no team, start with no base. You do start with a base, but you are measured off of growth. Growth and growth alone. Your Sizzler trip, I think it was just called... I think it was called Great American Incentive Trip, you know, as creative as that was. That was growth and growth alone. You don't hit those growth markers. I don't care if you got a bajillion dollars in business. I don't care if you're the number one rep in the entire world. You do not get to go on this incentive trip unless you grow. So I was like, all right, well, i got to grow. And it started from scratch. So I go out there for the fall. It goes well. And uh, fall's going well because you go fall, summer, or fall, spring. Summer, you're off. You don't work a, a lick in the fall because there's no schools in. So I was like, all right, fall went really well. I'm going to go crush this thing. And there's a, uh, there's a train coming on. So I'm going to take you inside. Um, I hope I don't make 
too many people sick while walking here. Um, cause I, That's I don't, good. yeah. Um, like you said, you got to adapt on the fly, right? So That's right. we're both people. Right? We're totally flexible. Yeah. Totally flexible. I hope we don't lose your connection I'm, though. Uh Oh, we might have lost your connection. No. Did you leave your phone? Oh no, we might have lost the connection because he was on a hot spot. Oh no. He'll he'll realize it and come back. Um it's all good. Hey, hot spot, man. You can cut this out of the podcast. I walked away from a hot spot. Anyway, um so yes, it was a great American. Fall goes really well. I'm on a I'm on a good pace to be um definitely on the incentive trip. And definitely on the like, man, check out all that lighting. You're getting the best shots today. Um, this looks like a horror movie. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, check it out. Let's see that unfinished ceiling up there. Be jealous. Um, so it's better than that single wide with that. Yeah, hey, that's not a lie. There's a reason I'm doing this here. I told you this on. I, yeah, so my kids are going to sell books one day because they're so good at finding moms and dads. It doesn't matter where you hide. They're going to track you down. So you got to you got to escape completely. Um, but anyway, fall goes really well. It's set up well. I'm going to now spring has started really well and I need to finish strong, right? Because, um, well, I don't even really need to finish strong. I've already hit growth. I've already hit the incentive trip, but I want to finish strong because what you learn from books? You finish it's about strong. how you finish. I want to finish. So... Um, in the fundraising game, there are only a few people, a few different types of groups, different athletic groups that do uh, fundraisers in the late spring. So was, all right, let's go find some. And there's a brand new high school, Tomball Memorial. It's like, you know what? The hardest part about selling fundraisers is getting on campus. And as unfortunately we've seen from recent history, there's a reason why it's difficult to get on campus, right? They don't just let anybody on, nor should they. And so I couldn't get in there. So I went in there like November, couldn't get on. I just asked for coach so-and-so, couldn't get on. Go back in January, ask for coach so-and-so too, can't get on. Ask for coach so-and-so again. Um, how loud is that? Oh, is that? man, we can still hear that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were going That's to. Okay, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, well, time for – They'll stop yeah, take, the take a drink. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, I'll just I'll just meet you for a quick second, and then so people understand what this is. Is if you ever sold cookie dough or anything like that in call in in high school or, or Great American is that fundraising company that would come in and be like, you can win this telescopic pen or this amazing thing, and the all you got to do is go door to door and ask your mom to go take this sheet to work and see how many of her coworkers buy cookies. That's what great. That's what great American did. That was that company, and they they be a person, and then they have some cool prizes that you could win if you sold so many cookie dough or so much candy bars or whatever the heck it was. That that's what it was. So, filling people in for that. Wow, your house looks amazing, though. Thank you. You saw like a whole eight, 80 square feet of it, um, which is not big. It's a small house, and that's we did that on purpose. But that's for another part. That's for. Story for another time. Story for another time. <laughs> if anybody wants to talk about how to build a house and how to build it, uh, how to build it um, to, to fit their needs, we maximize space. We're we're space maximalists, even if we are minimalists on square footage. Um, but yes, we. Uh, so yes, that was a spot on, right? Sell cookie dough, sell discount cards, sell you name it. Is that another another tequila there, but yeah, yeah. You know. 
Um, <laughs> but anyway, so it's, it's time, right? So the hardest part, like I said, is getting onto a campus. Once you get one coach, once you get one coach, you have free reign to get on the campus whenever the hell you want. Hey, I'm here to see Coach Smith. I call Coach Smith, uh, the front office. Calls, hey, Coach Smith, Mitchell Steph and the fundraiser guys here see you. Yeah, send them back. You see Coach Smith, and then you kind of have yeah, not necessarily explicit permission, but you have permission to go see as many coaches as you want to see, sell as much as you want to sell. And so I'm, I'm working here. I'm working here. Try to get in, try to get in, try to get in. Nothing. Not going to happen. So what did you freeze on me? There you go. Uh, so some things I learned from Southwestern are one, you knock late. Yep. Obviously. And two, you're persistent no matter what. Right. And show confidence is number three. I was going to just work late. So it's, uh, it's, it's four o'clock in the act for fundraising in case anybody is uh, considering four o'clock in the afternoon is late. So I roll up to the back of the building and uh, I wait for all the kids to clear out. This is very creepy to anybody who's never sold fundraising, by the way. Wait for all the kids. Well, also book, selling books is creepy to anybody who's never sold books. So it's like, hey, are there kids next door? Um, but yeah, so wait for all the kids to clear out. And I, I know the next ones through that door are going to be like, they're going to be athletes. So I know this is it's that time. So I get out of my car. I start walking to the back door. I wait for some kids to open the door. I'm like, hey, hold the door. Show confidence, right? Work late. Now, show confidence. Hey, hold the door. All right, cool. I walk right in. Sweet. Now I'm on campus. Go searching all the hallways for a coach. Everyone's already left. Your uh, your 935, 945, 1055 knock was for not. Right? I did meet one nice, sweet old teacher, and I left her a card, and she's like, I'll give you a card to other people. We all know how that goes, right? <laughs> I actually got an email. I got an email from a teacher saying, hey, we're looking for a fundraiser. I was like, sweet. Let's go do a fundraiser. So I go talk to coach. She's like, all right, here's how this is going to go. We're going to do this, 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 this. And, it's, and you're going to make this much money. Coach is like, all right, sweet. Let's do it. All right. So we do a good fundraiser. And it goes very well. It's actually probably one of my best spring fundraisers I've ever done. Nice little cherry on top of the very good year. So I'm headed into the the incentive trip on a high. And I can say, like, honestly, I worked to the last minute. And then number four. The fourth lesson I learned from my last, my very last summer, this is a story for another time. I'm just going to use as much as I can from now to the finish story for another time. But I, I had my best delivery ever my very last summer. And I learned how to tack on. Finally, six summer, I learned how to tack on. Story for another time. Story for another time. But anyway, um, so fourth summer, so fourth, you like learn how to tack on, right? Like if you want to have, make a great summer, an amazing summer, you got to tack on. So it's time for deliveries. It was cookie dough, as you referenced earlier. So we go to to to, uh, to deliver the cookie dough. It all goes well. And after delivery, I'm like, all right, man, you got to tack on here. So, all right, well, what can I tack on? And I look at coach and I was like, would you like to go on a date? And she's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and eight years later, we've been married for six years. We no! We got four kids. Um, so we uh, we got married a year and a half later. We had a kid nine months later, and there's been three since then. So, yeah, if, you, if you've if you ever wondered that's about the top awesome. of tacking on, you got to tack on. That's the, that's the key. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was not expecting that. That was worth it. That was worth I the train. I hope I did that with enough shadiness that the train was worth ignoring. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's Great, awesome. Man. And she's amazing. She's never sold a book in her life. 
probably never would have. And man, I couldn't have prayed nor asked for a better fit, man. It's been amazing. Four kids later, it's been a blast. And, uh, and I, I can genuinely say not only because I'm working for great American, because I work from Southwestern, blah, 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 and all the confidence or whatever else, but I can, I mean, just, just sheer data states that had I never done this and never would have met her. And I'm, I'm sure life would have been fine, but it wouldn't have been what it is today. And, and, uh, yeah, man, she's awesome. Wow. She's awesome. Wow. That was cool. Everybody tack on, (laughs) tack on, damn it. Tack on baby. Tack on your, your kid's lives could depend on it. Exactly. (laughs) Their souls, their very souls may never come into existence. if You don't tack on. And if There's, you don't check on, you'll never have that single wide. Exactly. That turns not, into not, 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 awesome. Not just single wide, single yard, single wide without a front yard, and and stuff strewn everywhere. It is a uh, it's a trifecta. Let me tell you. That's really that. That's really it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was awesome. That was cool. That was a cool body story. I love that. I love that. Congratulations, by the way. That's awesome. How long have you guys been married? Um. We were six years was was February, so six and four. Yeah, so we were we got married in February 2016. Our first kid was November of 16. So you can do the math. Do I want to get you in trouble? Do I want to get you in trouble asking when in February? February 20th. Okay, we were February 8th to infinity. My wife thinks eight looks like infinity, so she's not wrong. wrong. Yeah, no man, Uh, it's uh, yeah February 20th. 2016 it's a good time let's go That's and I, think awesome. we, I think we dated we dated for less than a year and a half when you know you know man just rock that's uh, that's the truth ain't it that's the truth oh damn dude that was sweet guys that was an awesome ponytail and um yeah let's uh we can wrap this one up i think that's a good bow on that that's so cool um I, thank I you got so that. much thank you so much for being on here guys one more time if you want to get a hold of Mitchell to learn a little bit about what he's doing. You can pick his brain maybe, or you need some commercial license, uh, commercial insurance for some reason. Uh, that's M Stefan, double F S T E F F E N M as in Mary Stefan, 2010 at gmail.com. Uh, get a hold of him uh, for that reason. Thank you so much for being on here, brother. That was so fun. Hope you, hope you had a it blast. It was. I, I, this is, I have been looking forward to this and I enjoyed it. Cool beats. All right, guys. Well, my name is Andre Scambo. We'll catch you on the next one. Make sure you guys uh, subscribe, like us, follow us. We'll be going on these stories forever. There's so many book people. On that note, peace out, everyone. Thanks so much. That was awesome.